We how want much you. Do you need? Steve's right. How, how, how much are you thinking of now? Okay. What I need is a hundred thousand dollars. He's he's not kidding. Corky, our entire budget for the entire year is 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 fifteen thousand dollars for everything, and that includes swimming. Well, I don't have any swimming in my. No, show. no, I mean, I, I mean the pool. We have to keep up the pool. That's right. everything. The entire year is fifteen thousand. We have a manager. A hundred thousand dollars. Look, you're a nice fellow. Well, I'm glad you're here. But if if I if I may be blunt, what's wrong with you? <laughs> So what I'm understanding here, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're not giving me any money. So now I'm left basically with nothing. I'm left with zero, which in which what can I do with zero? You know, what can I I can't do anything with it. I need to this is my life here we're talking about. We're not just talking about, you know, something else. We're talking about my life, you know, and it's forcing me to do something I don't wanna do. To leave. To, to go out and just leave and go home and say, make a clean cut here and say, no way, Corky, you're not putting up with these people. And I'll tell you why I can't put up with you people, because you're bastard people. That's what you are. You're just bastard people. And I'm going home and I'm going to, I'm going to bite my pillow. It's what I'm going to do. We're talking about two different people. Who are you talking about? The, the lead singer in Final Cut. Michael McKeon. Yes, that Michael guy. McKeon, he was also the next door neighbor in the Brady, Brun uh, Brady Bunch, I think. Brady ah, Brunch. The Brady Brunch. They ought to have, that ought to be a giveaway on that VH1 program. You'll get to come to a Brady Brunch. <laughs> and then it's like you and, and whatever, you and Christopher Knight or whatever that guy's name is. And then you all go drunk driving together. <clears throat> all right. No, that was so. That's Christopher Guest. Now I'm getting everybody confused in my head. So that's it Christopher is Michael Guest. McKeon. You're right. That's exactly who I was thinking. Michael about. McKeon, uh, who is yes. So he is also in. Yes, yeah, so he's in Clue. He's in the Brady Bunch. Of course, he's in Spinal Tap. Uh, and he's done like a, he's and he's in uh, Best in Show, as well. And now Christopher Guest is also in Best in Show. Christopher Guest is the uh, the Zog Kinds of Nuts, there's Pine Nuts, Filbert Nuts, Macadamia Nuts, Hazelnuts. He's that guy. He's also Count Rugen, and he's the Six-Fingered Man in The Princess Bride. And, of course, he's Nigel Tufnell. He's really kind of... Oh, yeah. and, he's, and he's also What's-His-Guts in The Mighty Wind, which I think also has Michael McKean. See, it does become... It's, you know what it is? It's sort of like that whole weird me, you, Joni, Jarris, Nate, Patrick... Chris Morris, Tim Riley collective. Everybody has done. Everybody has. Done, it becomes at some point sort of an artistic swingers group, where everybody has just done everything with everybody else at least nine times, in some sort of a permutation or combination. After that is anyway. So that's waiting for Guffman featuring the hottest balls, Catherine O'Hara as well. All right. Why? Hello. It's Flemtastic today. Ew. It's. Uh, Five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of uh, November, the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming along, making a part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970, Solid State Radio. Thank you for coming along. It is Wednesday, and welcome to, uh, to Day 12. 
I'm actually fine, but there is some sort of walking weird zombie-like Brazilian death flu going around the building. So you do want to stay clear that I came in and Sarah was giving the whole place a good scrub down again, following the good cleaning that Tim gave it yesterday. So we are now doubly clean in here. Well, we're pretty much clean people, anyway. We are. As compared to others. I was just going to say, even if we're not really that clean, as contrasted with other people who may use the studio or this building, we are, in fact, next to godliness. All right. Uh, anywho, here we are in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for uh, thank you for coming by. Here's what's coming up today. As I wrote uh, on my blog uh, earlier today, it really is an amazingly packed. We haven't even started today's program, and it's already busy. Uh, here's what's coming up. First and foremost, we're going to be talking to Roger Klein of Roger Klein and the Peacemakers later on today. Uh, if you don't know who Roger Klein and the Peacemakers are, really, you ought to. Uh, and I won't dwell on it at length here, simply to say this. You may also know Roger, well, a couple things. A, uh, you may know him from his work with the Refreshments uh, in the mid-'90s. They did that song, Banditos. Uh, they had kind of an underrated follow-up album. They did the King of the Hill theme, da-da-da-da-da. Uh, so Roger Klein and the Peacemakers are going to be in town this weekend. You really ought to go. I don't care if you have to steal from your cancer-stricken relatives to do it. You really ought to be uh, going to see that show. So we're going to talk to Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers later on today. Uh, what else? It's a big week. I mean, we've had, we've had a good couple of weeks going. Rollins last week, Roger Klein today. we got the Max Brooks, the World War Z uh, guy, or Zed, as they say in the United Kingdom, coming up Friday. Uh, so Roger Klein today, also Drew Griffin uh, from CNN. He's working on Death Grip, Inside Perfection, which I'm really, only, I'm really only doing this, A, because the fabulous Moolah died this week, B, Hulk Hogan's... As Sarah Dillon referred to him, Hulk Hogan's bastard kid just, just he might be going to jail because apparently he killed somebody. What did he do? He was um, speeding. He was racing with another car going like a hundred and something miles an hour uh -huh. and crashed into a tree or another car or something. He walked off without a scratch and his friend is now, I, they don't think he's ever going to wake up from well, the coma. Well, that's how it always works. The guy who's irresponsible always just walks out and he's get, you know he's got a nick or a bruise or a scrape or a cut. And the other guy's always being taken out of the dashboard with a dustbuster. Well, in any event, so it's, it's kind of that, you know, the whole Chris Benoit thing. So we'll talk to Drew Griffin later on so that I can use the phrase death grip uh, multiple times. So that airs tonight on CNN, Death Grip Inside Professional Wrestling. RG Crown Bay. No one heard that. <laughs> uh, what else are we doing today? Uh, we'll be talking about uh, the West Memphis Three a little bit. I know that going to make the show unduly serious today. There's a big development in the case of the West Memphis Three. If you've been following that, uh, we will talk to, I think, I don't know that this is confirmed. We may or may not be talking to, probably not Anderson Cooper himself. I don't think Anderson Cooper will deign to speak to us, but I... Oh, that'd be so exciting, I, though. It would be dreamy. He, I think Anderson Cooper just sort of descends from the heavens in some sort of small, fashionably attired mothership at the beginning of every, of every program. And the, the mothership just brings him in a hermetically sealed container right into the 360 studios. He does his program, and then uh, and then sort of a chorus of cherubim come and they take him back into the heavens. So I don't think we'll get to speak to Anderson Cooper, but I do think we're going to be talking to somebody from Anderson Cooper's program today about the West Memphis Three case. So that's it. Oh, and I've got and whether or not we talk to Anderson Cooper, I have a fabulous quote, and I don't have the audio of it. I think we only have the transcript. He did say the best thing ever last night. I really went, and I had I had somebody had looking for the audio this morning. I was like, please tell me that you can find the audio for this. It's not really going to work as well when I recreate it because, of course, I am not fantastic in all ways like Anderson Cooper. But it is it is pretty great. Um, what else? Uh, well, uh, well, we teased this a little bit last night, uh, last night yesterday, uh, at the end of the program, and then last night Court and Fatboy talked about it. Uh, 
this story, which is probably fabricated, but I don't really care about this new, uh, this new exciting hallucinogen that's sweeping the, uh, the sweeping the schools in Florida, where kids are really relentlessly stupid. So we'll answer this question: What are your kids inhaling? Uh, also, Mr. Skin and the long, slow, sad slide of Metallica into cultural irrelevance continues. So we'll have audio proof of that, by the way. So big show today. Oh, Steve Kastenbaum as well, uh, plus Dick Uliano. So there you go. Steve Kastenbaum, Dick Uliano, Roger Klein, Drew Griffin. What are your kids inhaling? Mr. Skin Metallica. All of that, uh, plus your phone calls and whatnots today. Fine. Oh, and a Britney watch as well. Penis watch if we have time. There's just so much to do. So little time. It's 503-733-2970. Richie Bristol standing by. Ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations right now about the interesting, the groundbreaking, the tedious, the mundane. It's uh, 503 733 2970. 503 733 2970. That is 503 733 2970. You can also email if you like. It's Rick at Rick Emerson.com. Uh, Sarah at 970 a.m. or Tim at 970 a.m. And again, the phone number for your comments, your clarifications, Kvetch's two cents, whatever, is uh, 503-733-2970. All right, we're joined today as are we always by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, and how are you? I am doing well. What an action-packed first segment this already is. It's true. Would you like me to give you an anecdote from my life? What happened since we talked to you last, Sarah? Well, I woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning and could not sleep, so I was able to hear all of my old jobs this morning. Oh, the co- oh, coin. I watched yeah. coin. They have some new, like, I don't know, they moved around the staff. Well, they, well Jenny Hogan's gone. She moved to Seattle. She's yeah. in Como or someplace up there? Someplace like that. And so there's some, like, new weather girl, and then there's they're all very young and very coist and, like, little, like, tan suits and stuff. There's a new weather girl and a new traffic girl. And, um, Please give us your unvarnished assessment of the new traffic girl. She's no you, obviously, but... No, it's weird, because they spent, like, thousands and thousands of dollars on this new traffic system when I was there. Uh-huh. And it's a completely different traffic system. And then they built this entire weather studio, and I looked, and it's not there anymore. Now, I noticed you carefully avoided giving any observations of the actual traffic girl. And then I heard Greg on the radio this morning, too. It's like, <laughs> oh, man, I do not miss waking up this early. So I, literally, I woke up at 4 a.m., couldn't do anything, watched this horrible show called One on One, because it was the only thing before it went to the Bible channel at 5 and then ended up waking up eating a bowl of cereal and watching Freaks and Geeks till like 6.30 in the morning. What kind of cereal? Special K. Excellent. So you woke up at, at 4 in the morning for no readily apparent no reason? No reason. Couldn't fall back asleep. Finally, we ended up watching this horrible TV show for an hour, then watched some Freaks and Geeks, ate some cereal, and then went back to bed at like 7. Fantastic. Was it weird to be up and to hear, uh, not only to, to hear the, the K&R because you used to do mornings at K&R K, to hear that and then to see the coin thing? That's what I'm but saying. But to be here, like, like sitting in your underwear like, I'm not leaving the house. I'm like, I am so glad that I don't work right now. It was yeah. awesome. I'm yeah. like in my warm apartment with my dog. I'm like, oh, I do not miss those days. Just give me a little something about the new traffic girl on coin because I'm never going to watch it. I don't get really good because I don't get any cable and I barely get any reception in my room. Uh huh. Oh, the weather girl looked a little crazy. Maybe she's just blurry. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not your television. Uh, she's just smudged. But I did notice the guy that I used to um, work with, who looked like Kent Brockman, mm-hmm. um, the blonde guy. He's now a roving reporter. Is he? Is that a demotion? Is I that would, a lateral think, move? I think that there's anchor and reporter. I think that you kind of move up to anchor. Really. Get out. Go stand in the snow. I don't know. This guy named Lynn. He was he was nice in us, but a uh, little, uh, yeah, a little cheap ball. Okay. Um, and I discovered that I have mice in my house. Of course. That is, like, I've heard Did other people... Did you stand people, on a stool in a petticoat <sighs> in the kitchen squealing? I've heard other people talk about having mice in their houses, and I never sympathize with them until you actually see a little rodent running around in your home. Oh, yeah? 
The kind of dog you have is good mouser. That's what you know. What I'm really? assuming that yes. Muppet got um, that from my kitchen. Yeah. Now well, you'd probably bring the Now, do you have to train uh, a no, small it's dog? In their blood. Really? Mm-hmm. It's in their blood. They're Hungarian. They're mouse killers. I didn't know that. Really? Yeah. Is that now? Is that any small dog, or is it only types of dogs? Types of dogs. Now, what is Muppet? Mixes. Muppet's a Lhasa. Yeah. Does he have Lhasa? I don't. They, oh, so I don't because know. if it's the terrier half, then I'm out of luck. Max isn't going to catch anything. Max not going to catch. I seen the mice around. Falling. Well, no, that's true. That is true. And he did. Boy, I got to tell you, I, I got to be really careful with that with that idiot dog of mine because he just he just has no concept. The weird thing about dogs is, and I don't mean to turn this into a bunch of dog talk. There's people out there, it's like it's like having kid talk for people that are barren. But I will say this: the strange things about uh, about dogs are legion, but among them is this: that dogs have a good sense of what is an enemy and what is not. In other words, Max will chase squirrels and birds and cats because they're smaller, and he perceives them as like, hey, this is a thing that ought not to be in my property, property that belongs to me, Max. And so he will chase squirrels away. But, of course, you know, if, 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 if a much larger dog comes along or some guy comes along, he may growl a little bit, but he doesn't get, you know, he, he knows to stay out of their way because he senses that is, a, that is an object larger than myself. I should avoid it. I don't mean to be morbid, but I don't understand, then, w- why they just plunge all headlong into traffic, why they just never learn, look, in this road are several large moving things. I under- I'm not talking about being surprised by the car and not seeing it. I'm saying you would think dogs would just learn naturally and instinctively not to go in the road because you'd think they would learn that that is where a bunch of large moving objects are that they would consider enemies or predators. It's very strange to me. Um, yeah, Max isn't going to catch a damn thing, probably. He just, you know, just sit there and wait for me to drop kettle chips under the floor. That's his whole... Well, now, now I know why Muppet's so obnoxious and barks all the time. I bet he's been being tortured by these mice. Feasting on mice. Maybe he'll bring you... Wait, didn't you say he brought you a he dead mouse the mouse. other day? No, I'm saying it was the exact same size of the mice that I saw in Sam my kitchen. Sam is right. You've got it, you know? You don't remember this conversation? Someone called and said that terriers are rodent hunters. Uh, see, I, I didn't remember that Mouses. part. I remembered you bringing you a mouse, but I'd sort of forgotten about it till now. So there you go. So, so the ma- give it a day, the mouse will be I gone. And you said it was deflated, and he spends... Um, when I'm gone, I have a big kitchen, and I, I leave him in the kitchen. And I bet that he deflated been... is code for disemboweled. By oh, the way, God. I bet he'd been chewing on it because I thought maybe he ran out to the backyard and brought yeah. it in. Yeah. But oh. if it was in the kitchen, he probably don't forget had the it for slurping. He's been slurping at it as well. Mouse breath. That's what he's got. Fantastic. Tim Riley is working on the following stories. Hello, Tim. Hello. I'm for Rudy. Says Pat Robertson. Apparently so. And just to get back at him, Sam Brownback backs John McCain. No cigarette taxes for children, say the Oregonians living in the unsettled hinterland. A man is found dead in his car in Southeast. Hulk Hogan's son is arrested. The President of France commands the U.S. and French while visiting the White House. The operation to remove the extra limbs from that octopus girl is successful. And the space shuttle lands safely. Boy, more than anything, I wish that Sam Brownback would back Jerry Brown just so we could say Brownback backs Brown. Oh, that'd be funny. Blah, 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 bomb. Bam! That is so in your face. nuts. Because, you know, when you're... T- <laughs> that is bizarre that you said that. Because when I couldn't sleep last night, that was the thing going through my head. Really? Bob, blah, 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 bomb? His, his blah, blah. Bob, blah, blah. Bob, blah, blah. Bob, blah, 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 blah. Bob, blah, 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 blah. We sound like retards right okay, now. Okay, that, that is so nuts because when I could not sleep literally for an hour, that was going through my head. I get head. phrases from television shows go through my head sometimes. I was going to tell you and I, didn't, I thought yep. you'd think I was crazy. Uh, you are crazy, but it has nothing to do with that. Okay, two things. A, 
I'll just do this before we move on. Uh, and then we got these phone calls. Richie, are you... Yeah, let me know if these are being screened. I just... And we were having an issue with the call screen. Okay, thank you. Two things. A, um, it, one is... So you had the thing of waking up this morning at 4 a.m.? Thinking about Bob, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Which is from Arrested Development, unless anybody thinks we've just gone, <laughs> gone nuts. Um, so... I didn't have that, but I did have this. I had Laura waking me up at 6.30 in the morning because she couldn't find her car keys, and she was convinced that I had borrowed them. And so she wait, She comes and routes me out of bed. She's like, "You need to give me the car key. I got to drive because we both drove the. But you know, we have the deal. We have the tr- We have the car, and then we have the truck. And the truck is kind of, you know, it's dependable, but it's rundown. And so, obviously, the car is the preferred. That is the premier vehicle in our household. Um, but whoever, it's like an early early bird gets the worm kind of a thing. Whoever leaves the house first gets to take the car. And so she gets ready to leave. She takes the car. She can't find the car key, and she assumes that I've got it for some reason. And she comes and she says, I need the car key. And so she wakes me up, rouses me. I'm wandering around the house, and so I'm up for 20 minutes this morning before I discover that I don't have the car key. She actually has the car key. So I'm still just grouchy, all angry, never did get back to sleep well enough. And then this, and I don't even get me started on why I have the car key. That's a whole different story that I'll wait to talk to Dennis Pitsenbarger about because I managed to mangle. I don't know how this happened. Suffice it to say that my car key, which I believe cost $150 to replace, I somehow bent it all to holy hell. I just bent the ass out of my car key. I have no idea. It's made out of steel. I have no idea how I would have done that. You know, apparently I have some sort of Kryptonian power I wasn't previously aware of. So that and I had a really eerily realistic radio dream this morning. Um, and I don't, it's so, it was such a haunting radio dream, I don't even know if I want to speak it aloud. Let's take a vote. Who wants to hear my radio dream? Hey. Does it involve us being fired? Well, not us. Does it involve me being fired? No. Does it involve Tim being fired? No. Does it involve you being fired? Well, see, here's the thing. Let me say first and foremost that, to the best of my knowledge, this dream doesn't have any roots in any kind of reality. Oh, boy. No, no, no. I'm just saying. You want to put this out there? You want to put this into the universe? I'm just saying. I can either talk about it or not, but it's going to live inside my head regardless. And so I feel like I ought to. I'm just going to say this. To, to the best of my knowledge, this dream has no roots in reality, no basis in anything. I will not uh, give any further details beyond what I, what I tell now in this story. I'm just going to tell this brief radio dream. And then, I got, and then I have to mention this thing about my living room, which has been driving me crazy, which you all may have thoughts on. Um, so we got all of that to get to, some phone calls and so forth. I'm just going to say this about the radio dream. Now, we've all, now, in radio, they do this thing called, um, they'll do a thing called stunting, sometimes called blowing off an audience, but it's usually called stunting. And what stunting is, is when a radio station goes to change formats, what they will do is they have the current format, which is, let's say, talk radio for guys, and then they have the new format, which is whatever, like Spanish or something. But between... Oh, God. No, no. You, do you really want to put this out in the universe? It's already in. It's in my head. The it, universe it gave it to me. It doesn't come out of your mouth, then it's okay. It's not about us. It's not about us, unless it, unless it really is about us and my dreams masked it as something else. My unconscious put a mask on it, so I wouldn't be terrified. Um, but there is this thing in radio called stunting, and so when that is when they are about to change formats, between the current format and the next format, they will play something strange or funny or weird or bizarre to sort of get everybody's attention, to bring everybody's attention to the fact that something is about to happen. So here's a perfect example of this. When I was in Spokane, there was a radio station there that was a New Age station. And they played all kinds of New Age music. It was just like bad synthesizer, Mannheim steamroller, harpist kind of stuff. You know, it's like, how can you make money on a New Age station? The answer is one cannot. So they switched from being a New Age station 
to being an oldies station. But the gimmick was they didn't just switch from new age to oldies. They did nothing but Louie Louie nonstop for seven days in a row, 24 hours a day. That is whatever. That's 168 hours or whatever the hell it is. So they played nothing but Louie Louie around the clock over and over for 168 hours. Then, bam, they, they, switched to, uh, they switched to oldies. Sometimes stunting involves a countdown. I've worked at radio stations where the, the format would go off the air. And then for one week, they would have a computerized voice that would just count down from like one million. You know, one million, and then 999,999. And it would count down all through that 24 hours a day. And then when it got to zero, the new format would launch. So here's this dream I had last night. And I will not identify any of the other participants except for you, Tim, and myself. I'll leave everybody else out of it. Oh, lucky us. And again, no, 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 I'm just saying, and again, this, to my knowledge, is not based in any kind of reality. I think that this is just the universe screwing up with me a little bit. So, for some reason, we were all just sitting around a conference room, like, having lunch, and there was a radio station, which I will not identify, playing in the background. And then, all of a sudden, whatever was on the radio station ends, and then suddenly, it just goes to farm noises. And by farm noises, it was like a sprinkler system, like an automated sprinkler system, like a like one of those automated rainbird things, and the sound of a tractor going by, sort of, and then occasionally, occasionally you would hear like a like a bird flying overhead, and we all was that our radio station. This is at a radio station, which that I will not identify. Okay. And I'm not identifying it because I don't want anybody to think that I'm, you know, privy to something I'm not. I think it was my brain just came up with a random station. But so we're all in the conference room, and suddenly the regular format goes away, and we start hearing these farm noises come off the radio. And we all turn and look at the same time, and we all look back at each other, and we're like, well, there you go. Guess, guess they're out of a job. And, um, and, and, then it, and then the rest of the dream was just a lot of discussion about what everybody was going to do now. So... It wasn't us, though. We were in the room, but it wasn't us. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. It's all very weird. What's that? Well, that's all that matters. It's, really? No, that's <laughs> true. I woke up this morning, and at first I was like, oh, damn, what a scary dream. But my, then it, that was immediately followed by, but it wasn't us. Yeah! So, although the day isn't over. All right. So, uh, all right. So, so there you go. Um, well, let's get a couple of these calls, and then I'm going to talk about this moronic thing that's happening at my house really quickly. Uh, and then we'll break at the bottom what of the Things coming up. Oh, and then Anderson Cooper. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir, madam, as the case may be. Hello. God, I love your mind, Rick. What's, what? I'm sorry? I love your mind. I love everything that goes on in your mind. Uh, Let's make out right now. Yeah. No. Uh, that, 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 weather, that traffic girl on uh, Channel 6, it's real yeah. simple. Huge. Absolutely huge. Fills up the whole screen. Maybe your television is just... Uh, no, 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 no. And then uh, Lynn the Fossil, of course, and uh, the Weather Girl. She looks like uh, Cesar Romero in full makeup. What a terrible person you are. What is this really how you want to start today's pro first call no, of the day? No, no, no. Here's how I want to start. Starting today. it with hate. Reality yeah. show. The best reality show ever. Sarah X, with the cherry tip pulling out of her ear. Bands living in her house. Uh, what else we got? We have that show. It's called the Rick Emerson Program. Oh, it's on it. every no, day. It's free. I want to see it. I want to see it. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. With her new coronation. Uh-huh. As the uh, party girl of the yeah. century or whatever. Yeah, All yeah. right. And so, again, what was the one word you would describe to use the, to, to use to describe the new traffic girl? Uh, 
Yeah, huge. All right, thank you. <laughs> Absolutely huge. I'm huge. Thank That's you. Sure That's his assessment, by the way, not ours. All right. Um, okay, so this is uh, Anderson. So I got this email, and by the way, I want to thank um, several people who tipped me off about this. Anderson Cooper's doing a segment Wednesday night about the new developments in the West uh, Memphis Three case. So we'll be talking about that. Anyway, so this is apparently what Anderson Cooper. I wish I had the audio. This email says, Rick, I just heard the following conversation on the air between Anderson Cooper and another news anchor who was talking about her cat. Did you see this? Okay. So this is the best reference ever. So this is between Anderson Cooper and uh, an anchorette, an anchor woman. And they were talking about the woman's cat. And the anchor, Anderson Cooper, apparently the cat is named Miss Lulu. And Anderson Cooper says, so your cat's named Miss Lulu? The anchor woman says, no, just Lulu. Sometimes we call her Miss Lulu, though. And then Anderson Cooper, without missing a beat, says, Miss Lulu, if you're nasty. <laughs> Which is so great. I mean, I would give anything to have audio of that just so I could play it over and over again and make myself laugh. Oh, uh, I dig that guy. All right. I did see that laugh. Really? Yeah. Was it just as funny as I imagined? It was. Oh, that's wonderful. All right. So you're, Tim is a homeowner. Sarah and I are home. Well, we're not home. Right. Sarah rents an apartment thing. I rent a house thing. So. Taxes I, are due on the 15th. I may be. I have a wife for that. I uh, I have a wife and a really butch accountant who comes to my house and takes care of that. Um, uh, I have a woman who appears a couple times a year. She goes, all right, I'm here to fill out your check. You know, drives up in a Subaru brat, takes my money, goes away. Um, so I may be th- th- broaching something that is too large really to be handled in this opening segment. So, But i got to say this. So I walked. What is today? Today's Wednesday. So I didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday at all. But I went home Monday night. I should say this first and foremost. As I was on my way home Monday night, my wife called my cell phone and she said, Are you on your way home? And I said, Yeah, I'll be there in about five minutes. She goes, Okay, well, there's something we need to talk about, which is always a great card. You start to a conversation. Oh. And I said, And of course, you're immediately thinking, Well, at least oh, you're God. married. Yeah, you're like, What, what is this? What, is, is, have I been dallied? What's going on here? And she says, Well, I think I may have made a terrible mistake. And, I, and then, of course, then you're just thinking, even you're like, oh, God, like, what, am I going to get home and there's a, a coagulating pool of blood on the, the floor that i got to get rid of? And I said, what kind of mistake, honey? And she goes, well, I think I did something I shouldn't have done. And I'm, you know, and at that point, I'm thinking, what in the name of God is my wife talking about? And I said, please, you, I said, you can't do this to me. I'm, it's going to be a few minutes before I get home. You can't just call my cell phone and say that we need to talk because you think you've made a mistake. Like, you have to clarify this for me now. And she said... Well, I think I bought something I shouldn't have. And I said, okay, well, that's at least a little bit of a relief compared to what it could have been. I said, what what do you mean you bought something you shouldn't have? And she said, you'll see when you get home. And I said, okay. So I walk in to my living room. And when I say walk into the living room, you should realize that I mean I opened the front door and I took about a step and a half into my living room because, and you need to understand this, my living room has a couch, a love seat, a coffee table, two bureaus, a lamp, and an entertainment center. Now, that makes it sound a little crowded, and it's not. It's cozy. Not crowded, but it is cozy. We, we don't really have any room for any furniture, any more furniture, but any less would make it look a little empty. We've got just the right amount of furniture. There's nothing else that goes there. There's a little space you can get from the living room to the kitchen, you know, and the living room to the bedroom. That's about it. My wife, for no readily apparent reason, bought a massive sofa, and... I find out later that the sofa is meant to go in our basement. But, of course, here's the punchline. She goes on Craigslist. She buys a massive sofa from a guy for $300. 
and she looks at she goes over to the guy's house she looks at it you know she whatever she you know makes sure that it's, it's a good condition she gives the guy 300 bucks the guy comes over drops off this huge sofa at our house monday night you walk into my living room, where I now have, as I said, a sofa, a love seat, a coffee table, two bureaus, a lamp, and an entertainment center, and another gigantic goddamn sofa, which is now taking up all of the space in my living room. Why is the sofa there? Because apparently she bought the sofa to go into the basement. Of course, it won't fit through the basement door, because the basement door is smaller than the front door of the house. And, incidentally... Even if the sofa were to fit through the door that leads to the basement, there is no way to actually get it into the basement because at the bottom of the basement stairs, there is a hairpin turn which cannot be navigated by the sofa. So there you go. So really, I don't even really know what the purpose of this conversation I'm now having with you is, except to note that, first of all, one should measure. That I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this now. Why not chop it and have to make it a love seat? You, you're just being smart. There's no, there's no chopping. There's uh, no. We need to do a little behind the curtain here, um, because I need to write her back now. So we can get somebody from Anderson Cooper, but at 2:45. 2:45 Pacific. Yeah. Well, let's do it. Okay. All right. So we'll do that today. Uh, hey, Richie, who's on the hotline? This is like way earlier than anybody should be calling. All right, let me know. All right, well, in any event, so I, well, I, we won't have time to talk about the whole thing now. We'll have to discuss it later, but. But she bought this because, you know, she might, she's on this kick of redecorating the basement. She, this is where I told that story the other day where she's painting in the basement next to the open flame of the furnace with all of this paint that has a huge warning on the side that says, Fire hazard. Do not use near open flame. Which, God love my wife, who's one of the smartest people I know, but in her head that meant, you know, like that was just a suggestion. So she's repainting the basement. She started redoing the baseboard in the basement. And she's purchased this gigantic sofa, which is now sitting in our living room. And I just, and she can't return it to the guy, obviously, because it's not like she bought it at, you know, Levitt's. It's not like she went and she bought it at Wick's Furniture. I mean, she bought it from some guy who's already taken her cash and run into the night, folded his tent and stolen away. So, I just, I, and I, to be fair, I haven't really measured the door that leads into the basement, but I'm assuming that all the doors in the house are regulation, uh, are regulation size. This one does seem a little smaller than the front door, though. But even if I were able to get the sofa through this door and down the stairs, you know, the stairs are bracketed on either side. There's just, there's, I've got nothing. So basically, I can open the door to the basement, and if I'm really lucky, the sofa will fit through the door. I can kick it through the door and just have the sofa lay on the basement stairs until the end of time. Because once you get to the bottom of the stairs, there is no way to turn it around. So anybody who visits my house or the, you know, proceeding, you know, whatever... You'll have more than enough places to sit your fat American ass because because I've now got, in addition to all my other furniture, a massive sofa that will fit nowhere. Probably can't even be gotten out of the house at this point because it was so much work to get it into the goddamn house in the first place. There you go. I have no solutions. There's really nothing I can do about it, but I feel better having whined about it. So there you go. <laughs> so... If you come to my house, try to avoid the huge thing sitting in. You hear that discussion about, well, let's discuss the large elephant in the living room that no one wants to bring up. I don't really have that. I have a big sofa in the living room that no one wants to bring up because I can't get it out of the house. I can't get it out of the... And that's the other thing, by the way, is the doorways leading off of the living room are, in fact, too small for it. So really, it is like a Chinese finger trap. There's nowhere for the couch to go. It's huge. It's, it's like 15 feet long. It's massive. So it can't go back out of the house. It can't leave the living room. And even if I could get it through that door, there's nowhere to turn it around at the bottom of the stairs. So it's just sort of there. Just sort of there. Okay, so at 2.45, yes, we'll be talking to David Mattingly. 
who is in Memphis. Uh, West Memphis, probably. West Memphis, Arkansas. All right, fantastic. All right, there you go. Uh, here's what's coming up. Steve Kassam on Dick Uliano, Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, Drew Griffin from CNN, David, M- David Mattingly. Uh, the executive producer. The executive producer of uh, Anderson Cooper 360, AC360. I want to make sure I got that right. Uh, about the West Memphis Three, uh, Mr. Skin, Tim Riley, uh, and all that. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on AM 970. She was sort of chastened about the whole thing, but I, I made a mistake. I purchased something I shouldn't have. I'm sorry. The thing about Lara is this, this is what is both great and terrible about our relationship is she knows that any mistake she makes or any sort of like any sort of jam she gets herself into, she knows she can sort of spin to me as show material. It's like, think of all the fun you'll have talking about this on the air. When I have disappointment after disappointment in my life, I can be like, let's <laughs> talk about it on the air. Totally. As you're splitting up your record collection and the guy's putting everything in the back of his car. Like, well, I'm something to talk about, I guess. Although this is, how, well, it could be worse, Sarah. You could be, you could be the one writing this email. Hey, Rick, I'm going to be needing a sofa soon. What color is it? Signed, Scott Daly. Oh. Was it from him? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> right here. Oh no, that's not from somebody pretending to be him. Rick, I'll give you a hundred bucks for that sofa, Jim in Portland. Thanks. Smartass. Uh, it is a uh, sort of deep. I it, in the low light, we keep the, all the lights in our house kind of dim, just because that's how I like it. But I, it, I thought it was like a brown, but I guess it's sort of a dark. I mean, I don't know, whatever, like a like a dark kind of purplish sort of thing. I don't know. Something she something that was gonna match whatever like a she plum color. I guess like a dark plum. So anyway, you own a dark plum couch. I don't own it. Well, I guess I do own it. I didn't. I didn't buy it. Do I, you have a dusty rose armchair to go along with it. I don't know, man. I I don't know anything about anything. All, all I know is that she's remodeling the basement somehow, and she thought the couch would be the perfect. The real. I, I actually should take a photo though of not only the couch, but of the stairwell because the stairwell is really the funny thing. And again. I mean, we have a couple a couple seconds here before we talk to Steve Castamon, but I should say this, that I don't know how houses are designed. Like, I don't know, because the house is all built at once. You know, the, the basement wasn't, sounds dumb, like a dumb thing, but I mean, the basement and the living room, it was all built at the same time. There were more rooms added on. So I don't know if the doorway that leads into the house is, by definition, the same size as the doorway that leads you down into the basement. I mean, I'm assuming they're all the same size, but it does look a little smaller. But I, I, I don't, don't think know. I'll... Why but, would they all be the same size? Well, because... Isn't that a thing with doors? Aren't I mean, why would all the doors be different sizes? When you when you just for ease of building, don't well, when they design a house really? I mean, yeah, because there are different kinds of doors. Because I have like the swinging door that separates my kitchen from my living room, and yeah. then like there's the back door that has glass in it. Well, the I mean, the thing about it is though, as I said, you just if you get it down the stairs that go into our basement, you know, you go down like 15 stairs, and then there's like a little landing. You know, and then you turn, and there's two more stairs, and you're on the basement floor. But, I mean, all the way down, the sides of the stairs, I mean, you're sort of hemmed in. It is it isn't like it's stairs and a tiny little handrail, and then you could just go over the side. I mean, on the sides of the stairs, there's there's pieces of wood. I mean, there's no, it is a tunnel, basically, that leads downstairs, and a tiny landing where you turn around and walk off into the basement. There is no room to turn anything larger than yourself on those stairs. So the idea that I can take like a nine-foot couch or whatever it is and turn it around in a space that's about three by three, that's not going to be happening. Essentially, I would have to unstitch the couch, cut it into small one-inch sections, and then reassemble it in the basement as some sort of a weird mosaic. Mm. So there you go. So Scott Daly, we'll talk. I'll even I'll sell it to you at cost. Uh, let's see. Well, what have we got here? We've got the, the uh, these guys on hold. Is this Steve Kastenbaum, Richie, Richie Bristol? 
Oh, somebody sent me a Bristol watch by the not a Bristol watch, but a Richie Bristol theme. Ooh. Uh, I don't know if I have a, if I have it today. Is that Steve? All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Radio Program from New York City, the one and only Steve Kassenbaum. Hello, sir. Hey, how, how are you? How's life, my brother? How's things? Doing good. Getting cold here. Now, are you um? Is this? Hold on a second. I got a little weirdness. Are you hearing like a weird noise in your right channel, Sarah? Uh, maybe it's just me. Um, all right. Well, you're at, the, you're at the CNN Center there in New York. But today, now, are you, uh, for this writer's strike, do they send you out to, like, walk the picket line and to, like, talk to folks? Oh, yeah. I went out to NBC on the first day of the strike. And then yesterday, this is a little weird. See what you think of this. You know, the first day they got a lot of press. They picketed outside of NBC and the Today Show. Uh, yesterday, they went to Silver Cup Studios, which is over the East River in Queens. And it's a major production facility. A lot of the TV shows that are produced uh, here or videotaped here in New York, like Law & Order, you know, they all use the, the studios there for a lot of interior shots. But, you know, how much publicity are you going to get for your cause? You know, the, the second day, you know, the first day you're at NBC, the next day you're at these, these studios across the river. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure why they didn't go to CBS or ABC, you know, with all three networks here in New York. Well, anyway. you know, apparently these writers, though, they say that they're, this is not, they don't, they're not going to buckle like a belt, that they're in this for the, uh, for the long haul, for the long stretch. Yeah, it's true. In fact, uh, once again, can you guess who was out there on the picket lines? Uh, we told you about this the other day, the guy from Saturday Night Live. Right, right. Seth Meyers. Was he, he funnier was, today? Yeah, he, I, I tried to get him to be more funny, and he just wasn't. <laughs> offer him five bucks. <laughs> Say, look, here's $5. Be funny for like 10, 12 seconds. <laughs> he just wasn't funny. Give me a liner. He was all on point with yeah. the uh, with the issues. Yeah. It's always kind of a letdown. Look, I understand that he, uh, you know, he's on strike and he's working. Isn't that kind of a letdown when you meet somebody whose job is to be funny and they're just completely uninteresting? Exactly. Just com- make me laugh. I always feel that way when I meet people. Like, they walk away going, ah, that guy's so funny on the radio. What a dick he is in real life, though. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's how I always feel a little guilt. That's why if I meet somebody, I feel like, especially if Sarah's there, Sarah and I will run into, you know, whoever, listener, whatever. And with Sarah there, it's always sort of an implied elbow in the ribs for me to be funny. So right. I'll immediately, like, start, like, my singing and dancing, and, you know, with my cane and my hat, like, trying to be amusing. Cause, well, because I don't want to disappoint the people for them knowing that you really just do kind of stand in the corner and not talk to anybody just in sit your there real and, life. sit there and brood and stare sullenly at the crowd. So, well, all right. She, she makes you keep your image up. Though. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah, my image. Yeah, because it's, it's, I've got such a burnished image to maintain. The, you know who wasn't funny while I was here in New York once? And I'll make it quick. I was in a Starbucks once, and um, uh, what's his name? Who played uh, Austin Powers. Um, Mike Myers. Mike Myers. Walked into a Starbucks. He was sitting there. People were, like, all, you know, gawking, coming up to him. Not funny. I will... I, I will say this. I'm sorry, Sarah. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Crystal didn't specify Pacific or Eastern, and she. Oh, meant this now. is this is David Mattingly now. Yes. All right, then you. Okay. Um, hey, so Steve, we're gonna have to run, my my brother. I apologize. There was a little scheduling snafu here. No worries. I understand. Uh, so we will talk to you in the immediate future. Thank you. Sure thing. Take All care. All right. There you go. Thank you. And by the way, we're gonna have to let Laura know that Dick Giuliano is not gonna be able to come on then. Yes. All right, Richie. That will probably be David Mattingly there. Um, All right. All right, it's 503 503-733-2970. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. And if you've actually been to as dopey as this sounds, if you've been to my uh, my blog over the years, or if you've gone to actually my uh, even even my MySpace account, uh, you'll notice that a thing that has given a lot of prominent placement and positioning uh, in all the things I've done. Actually, in Bigger Than Jesus, we made sure to put a bigger, we made sure to put a West Memphis 3 mention in the Bigger Than Jesus credits. Um, it's, it, it's a thing that, that I've been talking about for a long time. 
And to make a long story short, it's the story of three, I was going to say boys, but then young men and, and now simply men uh, who are uh, in prison in West Memphis, Arkansas, uh, for, for, as they always say in the A-Team opening, uh, for crimes that many people, including myself, believe they did not commit. And so let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. Um, oh, are you a kidding tone. me? Oh, let's now welcome a dial tone to the Rick Emerson Show. Ah, uh, there we go. All right, let me... Will you... Richie, I'm going to grab this. Yeah, will you do that and make sure that we're talking to... Because there's been a little bit of a scheduling. It's nobody's <laughs> fault, but I know that there's been a little... We did not specify Eastern and Pacific today. So there's okay, been a little great. bit of a... We'll, uh, um, put you on hold and we'll put them right on. All right. Okay, thank you. And this is David Mattingly. <sighs> yes. Do we have his actual title? No. I just want to introduce him correctly. Well, that's fine. Well, you I don't know, know that... You know, I don't know what David it is, though. I mean, it could be a CNN David or it could be him. Well, you know what? We'll, uh, you know, we'll play it by ear. All right. Let's welcome now to the uh, to the Rick Emerson Show. Is this David Mattingly? Hey, Rick. How are you? Hi. Hello, sir. How are you, my friend? Doing fine. Hey, and I apologize for a little bit of a snafu. I think we had an Eastern Pacific time mix-up happening there. So, so my apologies, sir. I know we're kind of uh, you know we're kind of putting this together at the last minute here. Um, so let's uh, talk very briefly about this. I know on AC360 on Anderson Cooper 360, which is tonight at 10 p.m. Um, there's going to be some coverage of a sort of a breaking, uh, breaking little piece of news, a development in the West Memphis Three case. That's right. Defense attorneys working on behalf of the West Memphis Three have gone public. They've been working for years looking at all the old evidence, and they're using DNA testing that they didn't have available to them back at the time that the murders were committed back in, in the 1990s. And they've come to some pretty startling conclusions. They've come out and said there is absolutely no scrap of evidence, physical evidence, no DNA, no nothing out at the crime scene that was collected at the crime scene that puts any of the Memphis, the West Memphis Three at the crime scene. If they weren't there, how could they commit this crime? Question they're asking. And this is a thing that, of course, this has been a cause celebre among a lot of people, not just uh, entertainers, but I mean, just, just plain folks and a lot of attorneys who have worked pro bono on this case. And if I may interject just a, a slice of editorial comment, this is simply my own observation, that a lot of people who are aware of the West Memphis 3 case, and you can find out more about it at WM3.org, um, a lot of people believe that the reason these kids ended up being convicted is because they, you know, wore black clothing, they listened to heavy metal, they were unpopular. They didn't have a lot of money. They came from families that might charitably be described as uh, poor. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it has been a case, there's no physical evidence, and it was, you know, a case that a lot of people have been fighting long and hard for. So th without, you know, giving too much away, because I know there's going to be a lot of coverage of this tonight on AC360, it, do we know what kind of timeline we're looking at as to when the rubber really might hit the road with this? What they've done, they filed a petition in federal court. That's the first step they need to take. And they're concentrating right now on the case of uh, Damian Wayne Eccles. He is on death row, and it is their top priority to get him off of death row and take that threat to his life away right now. So they're working on his case. But what their findings that they have in, in the research that they've done apply to all three of these, of these former teenagers who are now 14 years older and in their 30s. 
Uh, these men still don't know if they're ever going to get out of prison, but the concern is to make sure that Eccles gets off death row, and they're hoping that these new findings help them do that. All right, and so that will be uh, tonight on AC360 uh, with Anderson Cooper, which airs at 10 o'clock tonight. And, uh, again, if anybody wants to know more about this case, you can go to WM3.org. That is WM3.org, and we've got a link to that at my site, uh, RickEmerson.com. All right, hey, David, thank you so much. I know it was a little bit of a hustle trying to put this together this morning, but we want to do uh, to follow up on this. So thanks so much, my friend. It was great, Rick. All the best. Thank you, sir. There you go. David Mattingly, CNN National Correspondent and Contributor to AC360. There you go. <laughs> hey, how are you? Oh, boy. Oh, well, I did. I had, you know, we pulled a Scotty there, or somebody did, but I did probably, and I just said, uh, you know, 11.45 or 2.45 or whatever, uh, you know, and we didn't know it was like a Pacific Yeah, because I've been thing. carefully writing, you know, PST or... Eastern time. Yeah. It's okay. It's fine. You know what? I, it you know, it's, it it's you know, that guy, that guy's used to deadlines. So there you go. That was uh, David Mattingly, CNN national correspondent. So I don't want to get all preachy and heavy handed uh, about it. And I don't want to, you know, I don't know. This is, this is not the time or the place. And I'm not the guy, obviously. But I, uh, but, it, but the West Memphis three case has been a thing that I've uh, it followed for a long time. Uh, there's a great book about it called Devil's Knot. Uh, which is not light reading, not entertaining reading, but if you're into the case. Uh, and, of course, the definitive work on the West Memphis Three uh, case so far, uh, for most people, has been a movie called Paradise Lost uh, by Bruce Sinofsky and Joe Berlinger, who did some kind of monster uh, later, the, the Metallica documentary. So you really ought to check it out and uh, go to WM3.org uh, and then watch that tonight on uh, AC360, 10 p.m. All right. Jesus. Could today be any more crazy already? I'm just going to take a moment here and just yes, do a, gonna take a, a moment, moment and do a whole lot of. Fantastic. All right. There we go. All right. It's 503-733-2970. All that in just the first 52 minutes of the program, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So here is what is still coming up. And our apologies to Dick Uliano there who, that, because of the confusion. We kind of had to bump him. So we have Steve Kastenbaum. Uh, that was David Mattingly. Coming up later on in the program, we have Tim Riley at the noon news hour. Uh, we'll talk to Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Pe- uh, Peacemakers. Drew Griffin from CNN. Uh, Mr. Skin, and uh, all of that on the way. Let's get a couple of calls here, and then we'll break here in a second. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. 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 Hi. Hi, Rick. How are you, sir? What's up? Uh, I have a piece watch for you, buddy. Yes. Um, did you hear about the uh, four-month-old uh, baby that got his genitals mutilated and oh, no, eaten? No, 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 no. Sorry. No. I... No. 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 Oh. Jesus. No. Thanks. Thanks so much. Richie, in the future, that kind of call, really specifically with all of those details. Every single part of that call. <laughs> it was wrong. Like well, nothing. I mean. Except for the watch it was referring <laughs> to. I mean, really? No. Jesus Christ. Usually that age bracket isn't. Really? Yeah. When somebody so... says, hey, have you heard about this story about the penis of a four-year-old? The answer to that is always no. No, I haven't heard about it. And I would like to keep it that way. We'd like to keep that slate necessarily blank. We would like to uh, keep that a tabula rasa in our heads, if you will. <laughs> what a day. This is like a weird, there's a weird kind of neck-snapping sort of whiplash going on out there. I can just feel it in the air. This is one of those days, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Days like days today are always interesting. It's been a, I think it's been this week. So it, is, far. it has been a weird week, you're right. Is today Tuesday or Wednesday? Today's Wednesday. 
Today, we're only midway through this week. <laughs> Two more this days. This whole week, every day has been a little strange. Today already feels like a bucking bronco of a program. It really does. Like, we're just doing our bet. Like, it's not, again, it's not bad. The show's been great so far, and I think it will continue. It's going to be a great show. I can just smell it on the horizon. But it's going to be one of those shows that where you're just riding it, and you're just holding on the whole day, trying not to let it get away from you. That call right there, and by the way, don't take that. Don't go seek it out on the podcast. You really don't want to hear it. It's not worth the time. Um... All right, so coming up later on, we have all of that stuff. Uh, we got the, the, the people weighing in about my sofa and whatnot. Uh, what else? Oh, we have another potential interview. Somebody just faxed to us. And, you know, it really is such a shame that Scotty's not around for this. I'm actually thinking about asking Scotty if he wants to come back in for one day to conduct this interview that we've been offered. I don't want to say who it is. Uh, should, should we test the audience to see how well they know Scotty J? <sighs> no, well, maybe. I mean, it's not like anybody that huge. I mean, it's, it's somebody that everybody would know. They are, I guess, I would say this. We've been offered a guest, a musical guest, and I say this with no disrespect. They're solid B-listers. Solid, though. Once upon a time, A-listers, A-listers at a point, um, B-listers now, probably, depending on who you are. If you're Scotty, they're an A-lister. If you're Scotty, they are an A-double-plus. Um, but... Uh, Anyway, so we'll talk about that in a little while. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Later on, Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Uh, what else? Drew Griffin from CNN. Mr. Skin. More of your perhaps unnerving and disturbing phone calls. It's 503-733-2970. And he had to throw an Eaton at the end. And they were Eaton, Rick. Ugh. Jesus. That's just wrong. Bunch of savages in this town. Back after this. Fantastic. Why, hello, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Coming up later on, we have a CNN radio correspondent. I'm sorry, I keep saying that. Hi there. Investigative correspondent. Uh, coming up later on, CNN investigative correspondent Drew Griffin, uh, Roger Klein, Mr. Skin, and so forth. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth, it's Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Tonight, you can't take a right hand turn on the bike at that intersection where two people have already been hurt. North Interstate and North Greeley. No more right turns. That's the end of it. For Wait, no more right turns for who? Uh, let's see here. No more right-hand turns for anyone, I guess. You just can't go on the road. They've just closed. Just stop. The corner is now closed to both vehicles and cyclists? That's strange. Well, that doesn't so make any So drivers sense. and riders must now proceed south down Interstate Avenue to the next intersection, make a U-turn, and then come back and then make a left-hand turn. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Let's make sure that everybody goes way out of their way and everybody has to add another five minutes onto every trip. And take they a U-turn to make it even more dangerous because of course, heavy traffic. Because U-turns, U-turns, of course, never cause any sort of problem at all. No. Um, is the deal with U-turns that they're legal unless it says they're not I guess. So. See, that's what I'm saying. I don't even really know Nobody the knows. law with U-turns. U-turns are really the and sometimes why of the automotive and vehicular world. All right. So is there a sign there that says corner now closed? You may not turn. Thou shalt not turn here. Proceed south. Make a U-turn into heavy traffic. Uh, and, and Cause more accident. <laughs> drive recklessly and with danger. Blindfold thyself. So I wonder if there are now... I mean, I'm not trying to make light of the fact that somebody got the, the, the hit there. Two people, apparently. Two hits, one one, one fatal. Um, 
But I mean, if they put up like weird hinky detour signs everywhere, that then because those are always hard, weird to follow anyway. Mm-hmm. Like a big de- orange detour sign, and it's like the arrow's always pointing off at some weird angle. And you can't. People got to stop and read it. No, you can't do it. Well, where are we going? I don't know. And then it takes you down a side street where there's just massive congestion, like everybody's trying to you know escape. Uh, like everybody is trying to escape from you know from something all at once. Anyway, well, all right, there you go. So the intersection was reworked when the Interstate Max was built. It's an industrial area near the Fremont Bridge, and the truck traffic is common in the area. So nothing like a truck making a U-turn. Jesus. Yeah. Well, okay. There you go. It is uh, the dangerous corner is at the bottom of a steep hill. It can pose a braking challenge. You know what? Uh, you know I got a great idea. You know what they ought to do in these places? This is okay. I don't know why they don't listen to me. Here's what they ought to do because they, you know they've already they've already spent the money to analyze this corner. They spent the money to put up these detours, and they got one of two choices. They can either rework that entire area of road, which is going to cost them a lot, or they can just continue to have uh, you know all of these weird uh, temporary ad hoc detours set up, which is just going to result in more accidents, as you said, especially if you're yeah. instructing her to make a goddamn U-turn, which, don't get me wrong. I love... Don't do what? Let me stop and take a closer look at this. <laughs> and then let me just flip my whole car around 180 degrees in, in like, midday traffic. Why don't they just do this? You know those little those little concrete barriers they put up that are about yay high? They're about a foot and a half high? Yes. Why don't they just put a small, and by small, I really mean about four feet long, foot and a half high, sort of curved barrier uh, at those U-turns. Or at, I'm sorry, now I'm saying it, at those right-hand turns. So in other words, when you're at a right, when you're at an intersection, why don't they just put a sort of curved, short, concrete barrier on the outermost edge of the bike lane? So that, in other words, if a car turns at the same time the bicyclist does, the car will hit the barrier. You wouldn't have to put the whole thing. It would just be like it would just be like the corner. It would just be sort of a rounded edge of a barrier that would just go at the very uh, the very apex of the, of the right-hand turn. I mean, that's a one-time thing. You put it up, it's good. And you know what? It would keep bicyclists from getting hit if for no other reason than nobody wants to drive their car. You know, i got to tell you, this is the hard truth. There's a lot of drivers don't care about bicyclists, but drivers care about effing up their car. Mm-hmm. And if they know that when they make that right-hand turn, there's a little concrete barrier right there, they'll make sure to steer clear of it, which means they're not going to hit any bicyclists who are there. That's a one-time solution. You spend it, you, you're, you're good. It's taken care of. Somebody's tried to burn down a lawnmower repair shop in the Cove this morning. And calling it arson. The shop caught fire just before 8 o'clock in a busy area in the Couve. Firefighters shut down the 4th Plane Boulevard there. It didn't take too long to put it out. The owner says he will rebuild. So uh, fire investigators have called in to look at this. Then in uh, your neck of the woods, southeast, at Southeast Division, a 31-year-old man was found shot to death in a car early this morning. They got reports of shots being fired. Well, it's good that somebody called up about it anyway. Once in the area, they found a car at Division and 100 First Avenue with this hazard lights on and several bullet holes. Yeah. They found a dead man inside. He wasn't alone. Two other people were in the car with him. The victim's name it, it will be released at some point today. Wait, were they dead too? No, they were alive. So they were just hanging out in the car with a dead guy. I guess so. <laughs> they haven't been charged with any crime yet. Shall we run? Let's take a nap first. Mm-hmm. They also found uh, shell casings and other evidence. So they they were keeping Southeast uh, Division closed from about 98 all the way up to 205. Why were they Why were they just staying in a car with a dead guy? Well, that just doesn't make any sense at all. That no. is completely illogical. Well, this is from your neighborhood. <laughs> I, I don't know the thought process to... that goes into that. <laughs> I don't want to answer for my people. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, it's Peter from Nickel Arcade. Of course it is. Hello. I need some advice. Uh-huh. I'm in a pickle. 
I'm on my way to Salem right now for a tattoo appointment. Um, the, the the problem is that uh, I've been dating this girl for about three and a half years. No. We, we broke up about, about six months ago, and everything's okay. Was this the one that you've talked to me about? It is indeed. And the, the problem is that she's the one who introduced me to this tattoo artist who is amazing. He's so, so talented. Uh-huh. But they're really good friends. Oh, and no. I'm, no. And I'm pretty, sure, I'm pretty sure that he took her side in the breakup. No, no. no. You already know the answer. Why, why are you even asking? Why are you, I mean, are you just asking for sort of validation of an answer that you yourself know? Well, no, because because all my friends are saying, oh, he's a professional, he's so good, it's no big deal, but I just have this feeling in the pit of my stomach. I mean, I mean I'm sure it's going to be fine. It's just a touch-up. I'm driving to Salem right now. The appointment's at 1. I just don't know what to do. Let me ask you this. Well, the answer is to not go to Salem. The answer is to go... Let me ask you this. If he touches it up and he does it badly or incorrectly somehow, not that he would do that, but if he did, are you able to get that reversed? Uh, well, it, it kind of depends. I, I, I'm more worried about not so much him not doing a good job so much as I am worried about him just, like, purposely hurting the crap out of me. Well, why is this even a question? Because he's so good. He's so talented. Are you and the girl still on good terms? Yeah, I mean, we're we're not, like, getting back together terms, but we're, we're, we're on friendly terms, yes. If I asked her, would I get the same answer? You would indeed, yes. We actually spoke this morning. Uh... She said I should go. I, well, of course she said that. She's, it's, a, it's, it's a trap. Um, the, I, I, well, look, brother, it's not my skin and it's not my pain and not my ganglia. So I, I, I'm saying this. that I, I'm a big pussy because I don't have any tattoos at all. But i got to tell you, unless I felt 100% confident about a guy doing it, about his motivations for doing it, there's no way I'm letting a guy with a huge piece of metal jabbing in and out of my skin a thousand times a minute anywhere near me. I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to go. And I think I'm going to kind of feel him out first, talk to him, because he, he, he's the kind of guy that talks to you for about a half an hour before he starts it all. Yeah. So I think I'm going to kind of talk to him and, and feel him out and see, see how things are, and maybe I'll just run after that. Keep, I'll, I'll, just I'll lie. Just lie and say yeah. you've gotten back together with the girl long enough to get the tattoo and then run. That might not be a bad idea. Oh, no, yeah, we are, uh, we're, we're, we're on really great terms. She, yeah. She's talking by later. Yeah, no, in fact, she'll be by probably while you're doing this. You should start yeah. now, though. <laughs> yeah. All right, good luck, my friend. All right, thank you. Pray right, for me, sir. Go. Thank you. Yeah, that's a foolish thing to do. Very. What, Tim? Very. Yes. I don't know why people ask the advice. Uh, they clearly he, he knows. knows it's a bad idea. He knows. Oh, here's somebody about the intersection. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick, this is Danny. Hey. Hey, that corner you're talking about, about the cyclist? Yeah. The problem is, is when you go down the bike lane there, there's a space between the two, the, where the sidewalk ends and there's an island. And so where the cars turn right there, the cyclists are in the bike lane, and they don't see the cyclists. So they're putting a, uh, barriers up to keep from that happening anymore. And that's why people have been getting hit there. Well, I guess I'd have to see it to sort of to weigh yeah. in on this. I mean, I, I mean I've driven down that. But I was yeah. just driving I've been riding, you know, I've been riding bikes for, and racing for 25 years, and that's the worst corner. But, you know, but it, okay, but it, here's another. It's just like that girl who got killed at 14th and Burnside, uh -huh. uh, Robert Ringless. Again, if they had at that intersection, if they just had a small concrete barrier that was about a foot high and it was about three feet long, and curved that just covered just the outermost edge of the bike lane at the curving point, uh, that would have stopped this whole thing, and it would stop it in the future, too. Well, there's that, but, you know, you can't, you know, they can't even deal with interstate changing the name. How are they going to do that? <laughs> that is true. Okay? They can't even change the sign correctly. They can't even deal with that. So what Fair are they going to do there? No, no, I'm with you. No, I feel your pain, sir. And I got one more. Um, I yes. think the key thing, too, is educating. I mean, there's no education about people realizing about cyclists, 
and the bike lanes too, and that's not happening either. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot more um, of this uh, these issues happening. No, uh, you are right about that, my friend. Thanks, man. Thank you. And I feel like right, knowledge can arm a lot of people, and if um, people actually know the rules of the road, they'll be less likely to scream at you. The more you know, people just aren't smart. No. <laughs> That's very true, there too. There you go. Bottom lining it, it's the CBS Radio News Department. Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, Oregon voters overwhelmingly decided in favor of Measure 49 in the election yesterday. That decision restores some of the controls on the development of Oregon farms and forests. Measure 49 was passing with 60.8% in favor, 60% of the projected vote as it was counted. The measure is known to voters by the legislature to uh, fix the property rights known as Measure 37. Then we have measure 50. That was rejected by a margin of 59% to 41%, with 54% of the expected vote counting. That cigarette tax passed only in smart Multnomah County, but it was crushed so in like, Hillbilly County, so like, like surrounding Portland. Like everything else, the Blue Island voted yes, mm-hmm. uh, and, the, uh, and the red, uh, the, the outermost ring of the donut voted exactly well, the opposite the way. people who were smoking. Well, it, but it's just like, it's just like in uh, every presidential election we have here, like in 2004. Mm-hmm. Portland votes for Kerry, and everybody else voted for Bush. That sort of is the way that this state operates. Uh, this, we really are like some weird Oreo cookie, uh, the, the, the blue surrounded by red. But I, I actually was thinking... Thinking about this, I was wondering because it's pretty well known that during 2000 and especially 2004 that Karl Rove uh, sort of engineered. How do I put this? Karl Rove sort of worked behind the scenes to make sure that there were a lot of so-called um, social issues on the ballots all across the country, like the, the, the school prayer and, and the, the gay marriage and the, the whatever and the what have you and the drug legalization and the hey hey, just as a way to like get like angry conservatives to the polls to make sure they voted. So I actually wondered about that cigarette tax. I wondered if this was like along the same lines. If this was something that somebody was sort of pushing just to make sure that they could drive up the conservative turnout, because that's who votes no for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean. The people who vote, the people who vote down that cigarette tax are either a smokers or b conservatives or, or more than likely both. Uh, and so, you know what? It doesn't affect me. I don't smoke. I don't have kids. Doesn't matter. I have no. There's. I have no stake in that race at all. So, whatever. It does kind of surprise me. I mean, it's you know, I figured that it would be a lot closer than that. It, that's like a, like a ten point differential. I didn't see that coming. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter. All right. And apparently, people from Kelso were coming down here and stealing our old dinosaurs. Uh, federal agents have seized more than a dozen fossil specimens from the home of a Kelso man who was seen excavating illegally from Oregon's John Day Fossil Beds National Monument. Uh, apparently, a seasoned employee, or a seasonal employee at the moment, and uh, her seasoned 11-year-old employee, <laughs> seasoned employee, covered with Mrs. Dash, and, and her son, and a woman believed to be the wife. They were chipping away fossils with a two-foot-long hammer and taking them back to Kelso. The converted couple was uh, then, well, apparently somebody wrote down their license plate number, and somebody paid them a visit, and they found uh, dinosaurs in their house or whatever they stole. Mounted in the living room of their trailer right next to a stuffed mongoose. Agents from the U.S. Bureau of Land Management searched the couple's home and a vehicle and seized a bag containing 17 fossil specimens and other items. So I don't know what the fine is for stealing dinosaurs. No, I don't know. You don't really ever think about that. No, but it's going to be stopped. A woman bit off her ex-boyfriend's lower lip as they were kissing in bed. Oh. This happened in Seattle. Uh, deputies were called to a house in the White Center. Apparently, that's some place in Washington. White Center. Wonder what kind of people live there. I think Washington oh, is its, it's, is its un- own White Center. It's, it's an unincorporated suburb south of the city. 
They found a 49-year-old man bleeding on the porch. Oh. There was a lot of blood. Oh. He could talk, but barely. Uh, the man said he and the woman were kissing passionately. Wait, hold on, hold on. Okay, he said what? Hmm? But what did he say? There's a lot of blood. He could talk, but just barely. Okay, so what, would the, what was the man's statement? There was a lot of blood. Oh, he said they were kissing passionately. They were kissing passionately. When without provocation. When without provocation. She bit off his lip and spat it out. She ran out of my lip and shot. <laughs> they reportedly found the man's lip on the bedroom floor covered with cat hair. Oh! 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 oh God! Oh, that's the worst. I don't know why that's, that's the so worst much... story of the day. I don't was... know why that's so much worse than the rest of it. Jesus Christ. I mean, I was going to ask if she'd swallowed it. Oh, because that was no. well known. Well, because next that's time. next time. Well, what's worse? You tell me. Oh, I don't know. Tim, if somebody bit you off your know, lower lip, would you... You can know, because you can reattach it, at least if you wash off the cat hair. Would you prefer, Tim, to have the lower lip swallowed or to have it covered in some sort of animal fur? Uh, well, you can shake off the animal fur. I guess you can give it a good hosing. But still, you know, the worst thing about the story is not even the cat fur. It's that, I mean, unless the woman is real big and the man is real small, mm-hmm. it, it, that's not a thing you can just bite off clean in one, you know. You can't just go, and it's off. It's not like biting off, you know, sherbet. I mean, that's a. it seems like that's more of a chewing it involves there. Because your lip is sort of rubbery, is it not? Oh. I'm just speculating in a scientific sense. Tim was just acting it out right now. He was just sort of pantomiming it. I'm not it. sure. I think that's sort of a bite, sort of a chew, and then like a tear. That's a tearing no, of the lip. No, it seems like it would be a chomp. Well, apparently the cat liked it. <laughs> what if the cat had started to eat it? That would have been the worst possible. Well, Rich is barely getting in. Oh, excellent. Uh, doctors at uh, Highline Hospital were unable to attach the lip. Uh, the deputy said the man will likely be permanently disfigured. Fantastic. I mean... So the 44-year-old woman in the house cursed and attacked one of the deputies with a pillow. Her bailiff said it's $25,000. I mean, what's really funny is that for a woman who bit off a guy's lip and then spat it out, her weapon of choice was then a pillow when the cops arrived. Like, you think she'd at least go for a marble ashtray or something. So, and here's the other thing. Am I the only one sort of wondering this? They can, they can rebuild an entire penis, an arm. They can do heart transplants, and yet they can't fix a guy's lip? Hmm. That doesn't make any sense at all. That is just completely weird. Well, the man and the woman were recovering from a drug addiction, and they were renting the house. Really? It was supposed to be a clean and sober home. Don't give me any lip, woman. However, deputies have been called to the home before. Uh, because the woman who was later arrested apparently was drunk and disruptive. At no time was there any indication of violence nor any reason to arrest her. You know, really, you know, you know what this story would be called if we were TV news people? Well, you, wait, hold on, let me get some papers to shuffle. Hold on. Well, you may have heard the phrase, mouthing off before, but one couple, and then they would blah, 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 blah. And, and oh. here's a little lippy for tippy. <laughs> uh, uh. Oh, wait, how about this? How about this? Here's another one. Here's another one. I I don't know why I always have to shuffle the papers. Well, one woman gave some lip service to her boyfriend when he got out of line. Our own Tim Riley has the story. Hold on a second. Uh, All right, so what a strange day this already is. 
So here's, uh, it, it, Tim, I'm sorry, if I can interrupt for just one moment. Please do. So early we had um, Steve Kastenbaum, who we were not able to speak to. We had Dick Giuliano scheduled at 11.50. Unfortunately, we were not able to speak to Dick Giuliano because we had to go to Dave uh, David Mattingly, who is one of the national contributors to AC360. Later on, uh, Mr. Skin, Roger Klein, etc. Bob Costantini now appears to be on the, Bob Costantini now appears to be on the phone. Well, let's say hello to him. Sarah and I exchanging blank looks. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson Show. For reasons passing understanding, Bob Costantini. Hello, sir. Hi, Rick. Uh, thank you. Uh, better late than never, I suppose. Um, and I, I do let me apologize. Let me see if I can piece together what's happening here. Here's my. Now this is. I'm going to try to figure this out, uh, Hercule Poirot style. You tell me if I've sussed this out correctly. Yes. My Miss Marple spider sense is telling me that we booked Dick Uliano uh, at 11:50. Actually, that's. Uh, I, I forgot to tell you that Dick wasn't there anymore, and it was Bob Noodles' custom. They then booked you instead of Dick Uliano, and then at 11:45 we were not able to do what I thought was Dick Uliano's spot because we had David Mattingly from AC360 thus shunting him, and by him I mean you, to this spot here now? Um, it's, I'm not exactly sure, but I, um, I'm a little late to begin with. Well, here you are. So <laughs> how are things? How's life? And it's worked out perfectly, hasn't it? Our bosses just don't have to know. That's fine. You know what? This is going to remain our little secret. Right? When no one needs to know about this, this is just going to be between you and I and the many thousands of people witnessing our shame, Bob. Great. Hey, Great. Um, we're not going to be bombing Iran anytime soon, are we? Uh, not likely. Um, I would uh, venture to say a lot of people believe that the administration is making these bellicose statements, um, but uh, I, I just don't see that um, there's there's that much international uh, <laughs> uh, pressure, uh, you know, to, to do that sort of thing, he, in spite of what the president likes to say, and in spite of what uh, Secretary Rice likes to say, I don't believe that there's any kind of consensus even close to that uh, as far as military action against He's, Iran. I know that the French president was speaking to Congress, and he and the President Bush are talking about this today, but there seems to be all this, Iran must not get a bomb. And I'm unclear, and I, I, I don't know if anybody has the definitive answer. I don't know if, to what extent you could speak to this. I don't even really know what Iran has and what they don't have. I mean, somebody says, well, no, 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 they're just, they're just one step away from having nuclear death at their disposal. And then somebody else says that like, they don't have a nuclear program. And I, I, I just always assume everybody's got a nuclear bomb in the basement somewhere, but... <laughs> The, the assumption is that they are they would like to get a hold of a nuclear weapon. Uh, how far along they are in that effort is really uh, anybody's guess, it seems, at this point. Mohammed al-Faraday, who's the um, head of the International Atomic Energy Agency, was on CNN uh, over the weekend, as I recall, uh, saying that we just don't know. That there is no indication that they have a significant nuclear program, nuclear weapons program, going right now. Iran has maintained all along that it needs nuclear enrichment for power. Um, and an interesting thing, uh, you, you mentioned uh, President Sarkozy of France, who's here in uh, Washington. Uh, he spoke to Congress earlier today. He is actually at this very moment uh, having a news conference with the President. Um, but when he spoke to Congress earlier today, 
he said that a nuclear Iran is unacceptable, um, but he then stressed the word, the need for di about dialogue, uh, and not, uh, you know, clearly turning away from the idea of military uh, options against Iran. Well, all right. Well, so if I, uh, I was going to make a dumb Craigslist joke. You know, I'm just going to skip it at this point. There's just no, there's no reason. Uh, all right, Bob Costantini, thank you so much. Better late than never, my friend. Thank you so much. Sorry about the my misunderstanding pleasure. earlier. All thank right. you. No, no. Ladies thank you. and gentlemen, right. Bob Costantini. Well, that was odd. I don't even really know what was happening there. What was that all about? I don't know. What was the conversation? I just, I just really don't know why he would call 35 minutes late. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Especially when we just said, like, we apparently, I think we told Laura, like, look, we're not going to be able to get, well, in this Did case, we on. I thought you were going to tell Laura that. I thought you told Richie to tell Laura. Richie doesn't, have, Richie Richie doesn't know who Laura is. Okay. He doesn't have her number. Does Laura know who Richie is? <laughs> Miss me. Okay. Here's no, Jim. I didn't tell I, I did, I did hear that they uh, they chopped down the Christmas tree they're going to put in New York already. Is it from here? It's from uh, Connecticut. That is the very definition of a non sequitur. You just chunk, stay huge, right off the rails. Wonderful. Excellent. Uh, where does our tree here come from? Does it come from here? Does it come from the Northwest? Whose tree? The tree in Pioneer Court, the tree in the, not the tree in the studio, the tree in the living, in, oh, in the living room of Portland, the Tim. Tree the tree at Pioneer Courthouse Square that they light oh, every that one. Does that Last come from year Northwest? From Forest Grove, I believe. Really? All right. Some some place where they grow trees. They grow trees all over the place. I here. dig that. You know, I go to that every year. I go to the tree lighting at Pioneer Courthouse Square every year. I don't mm -hmm. care if anybody else goes with me or not. I go and I stand there like a retard. Because mm -hmm. uh, it's what I do. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, about this bicycle thing. I just wanted to contribute that at the uh, west end of the Broadway Bridge, they have a really brilliant solution to the whole problem. They have a signal that is dedicated to bicyclists. Is that uh, now? Is that the only bridge where they have something like, or the only place where they have something like that here? It's actually the only one that I know of. But uh, you know, they could do that in other places. Well, how does it work? Does the signal for bicyclists? It, it, does it go like a few seconds before the signal for cars? Is it like a pre-signal or something? Uh, what they do is they change the light out for the cars, and they say no right turn on red, and then they let the uh, the bicyclists go. It's kind of like a walk signal. It is interesting. I would I would wager at this point, and I'm not trying to say I'm smarter than anybody else, but I would wager that if you got ten random drivers and ten random cyclists uh, and put them in a lineup and quizzed them about what was and was not legal in terms of bicyclists and yielding and bikes and cars coexisting, uh, I would guess that probably fewer than half of those of the people would even know what you're supposed to do and what you're not, because it's all very confusing. Well, uh, you know, Tim Riley hit it right on the head when he said people are stupid. <laughs> well, that's, as, that should no longer surprise you. So either of those things, Tim Riley getting something right on the head or people being stupid, that, those, you, you shouldn't be surprised by either of those. No. Uh, I did want to contribute one more thing, though, yeah. as far as uh, what Rick is to watch when uh, when Mad Men's off the air and all that stuff. Yes, yeah, sir. There's a show on Sci-Fi Channel called, called Eureka, and I don't know if you're any fan of uh, kind of a northern exposure sort of thing. But well, I like, like northern exposure. Zone. Yeah. It's, it's like Twilight Zone meets Northern Exposure. It's a good show. All right. Called Eureka. Well, we're going to do that probably next week. We'll do a whole thing about that. Okay, cool. Excellent. Thank you. There you go. Uh, yeah, I'm almost done with watching Mad Men again, 
And then I got to, uh, and then I, and then, uh, I'm going to start the whole process all over. Really? Yes. I'm actually just watching some of my, I'm, here's what I'm doing. Here's, here's what a dork I am for that show. I watch Mad Men season one. Now I'm going back and watching my favorite episodes, just sort of highlights from the se- from the season. And then I'm going to go back and watch the whole season front to back one more time. Just because it's, it's, because it's just that great. I'm watching the episode, uh, last night where, uh, where, um, where Roger Sterling, uh, Don Draper's boss, comes over it, for dinner and gets blind drunk. It starts hitting on Don's wife. starts groping Don's wife in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, I remember. What a strain. And then, of course, then there's the whole wacky subplot where, hey, he's drunk driving home. Just, uh, God, what a strange time in our history. All right, here's Tim Riley. And then we have the Sandow celebrity wrestler Hulk Hogan arrested on charges from a crash in Clearwater, Florida that left his passenger critically injured. Uh, this young man's name is Nick Bolia. Apparently that's Hogan's real last name. Terry Bolia, yeah. He's uh, 17, turned himself into the cops as being booked in a county jail down there in Florida. He faces charges of reckless driving involving serious bodily injury. Bolia was street racing, as kids will do, August 26th, when he lost control of his 1998 Toyota Supra. A sports car hit a curb, spun 180 degrees into two lanes of traffic before slamming into a palm tree. His passenger was critically injured. Of course. By the way, this says, Rick, when you were reading the story about the lip ripper, <laughs> you forgot to make the most obvious joke. Wait, hold on. Where's my paper? Well, and finally, tonight, one man is lipless in Seattle. Uh, all right. Thank you for that laughter. Here's Tim Riley. Well, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. This involves televangelist Pat Robertson. We all know who he is, don't we? Yes. He is the founder of the Christian Coalition. He has endorsed Rudy Giuliani. Really? Yes, really. Uh, you know, man, I, okay. I'm not gonna, I don't mean to knock Bob Constantine. I'm really not. But I'm saying today's the day when I re- And you know the cruel thing they did today is they put Lisa, Lisa Desjardins, and they put her on the prep sheet even though she wasn't available. Um, I should say this. Tyler, our friend Tyler at CNN, mm-hmm. actually emailed me proactively today. He single. He actually took the time to sit and email me this morning to say, "Hey, I know you're a big fan of Lisa, so I thought I'd let you know that she's not really available. Her name's just on the sheet by accident. Thought you'd want to know." So that's apparently everybody knows like what a nerd I am for Lisa. Um, but boy, because I mean, it's just I'm starting. I'm sorry, I was doing a little Bob Newhart thing there. Mm-hmm. Sounded like Catherine Hepburn trying to start a car. Um, the idea that Pat Robertson is endorsing Rudy Giuliani is just staggering. I don't think people really uh, appreciate how crazy that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rudy Giuliani, how many times has he been married? Three? Two? Mm-hmm. Three. Three. So he's twice divorced, an admitted adulterer, pro-gay uh, marriage, pro-stem cell research, pro-drug decriminalization in some cases. Um, I mean, he's God, what else is he for? There was some, some other weird non-Republican thing that he was for. But I mean, he's you know, always pro-life. Let's not or, yeah. or pro-choice rather. Let's not forget that he's pro-choice. And so the idea that Pat Robertson and let me just say this: you don't come crazier than Pat Robertson. I mean, now that Jerry Falwell's dead, yeah, really than a bed bug. <laughs> he really is. He's now that Jerry Falwell has has assumed room temperature, as Rush would say. Um, Pat Robertson is really holding up the crazy banner for all the nutcase uh, Christians out there. And the idea that he would endorse. A divorced adulterer who is for abortion rights should tell you exactly how much they hate Hillary Clinton. Because that's what that's all about. And don't buy any crap about how it's because of the war on terror, or how because it's the war in Iraq, or because it's 9-11. That is how much Pat Robertson uh, and, and all of those guys don't want Hillary Clinton to win. That's how much. So here's the statement from Pat Robertson. 
It is my pleasure to announce my support for America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, a uh, proven leader who is not afraid of what lies ahead and will cast a hopeful vision for all Americans. This is from a news conference, but I can't find any sound that I'll keep looking. A former New York mayor backs abortion rights and gay rights, positions that put him in conflict with the conservative GOP people, and has been trying to persuade evangelicals like Robertson to overlook their differences on those issues. It's worked. Uh, evangelicals have split their support for the leading Republican candidates. Losers like Kansas Senator Sam Brownback, a uh, favorite of Christian conservatives who dropped out of the race, endorsed John McCain like that's going to help. <laughs> that's going to make all the difference. The tide has been turned. And Mitt Romney has announced that Bob Jones is on, on board for his candidacy. That's great. You always want a guy who bans interracial dating to back your campaign. I asked about the Robertson endorsement. McCain at a news conference said every once in a while I'm left speechless. This is one of those times. So uh, we all know about uh, Rudy. Oh, and he goes on to say, uh, Rudy Giuliani took a city that was in decline and considered ungovernable and reduced its violent crime, revitalized its core, dramatically lowered its taxes, cut through a water, uh, a welter of bureaucratic regulations, and did so in the spirit of bipartisanship, which is so urgently needed in uh, Washington today. So here's no the def- other mention of any of these no. other issues. Here's the defeating the godless sodomite Hillary Clinton. That's what that statement is really all about. That's fantastic. If I was Hillary Clinton, that would make me feel great that they are so terrified of her. I mean, just in a, in a real politics sense, as Henry Kissinger would say, they are so abjectly afraid of her that they will actually band together as brothers, even though they just. I mean, you know, Pat, you know. I mean, look, you know, in his black, soulless little heart. That Pat, Rob, Pat Robertson just hates Rudy Giuliani. I mean, you know it's true. Everybody knows it's true. Because Rudy Giuliani is himself a godless sodomite in the in the eyes of the uh, evangelicals. But you know, I guess I guess enemy any enemy of of Hillary. Uh, let's see here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hi, this is too terrible to even pass on, but I will. All right, wait, hold on, hold on. Now I got to say Have this. Have you been screened, sir? We, we set the bar pretty yes. high early on in today's program. Now the very I don't know if it was the first call we took. It might have been like the second call we took today. was actually so horrifying that we just deleted the entire call and hung up on the guy. I'm sure he meant well, but it was really off the charts horrifying. So I'm going to give you a second to think about whether you really want to share what you're about to share. Okay. You just listen to it. Just hang on for a second. You ponder that. Now, have you pondered, sir? Sure. Do you? That's the that's the sound of deep thinking. Uh, do Do you really feel like you really ought to share this? Yeah. Okay. If the school kids bike to school armed with knowledge, they better be careful because they might be suspended for being armed. Oh, oh this was a joke that you were working on all this time. Yeah. How long it. How long did you spend creating this masterpiece of wit? <laughs> As soon as she said armed with knowledge, there it was. Who said armed I with said knowledge? I said armed with knowledge. I really do believe that. I don't care if I sound like a hippie. If people are, are armed with the knowledge that they need to, bicyclists? if somebody's screaming at you to get out of the road and you can say, and you know your rights, then. I know. And so you're the joke then, sir, is? Armed with knowledge, you get suspended. Take me out with a rope and a bong hit. Bye. <laughs> no, he's too intelligent for such things. All right. That line's like on a pledge break. Speaking of break, let's take a break now. Why don't we? Let's just hit the reset button on that whole thing. 
Okay. It's 503-736. Somebody needs the Steve Allen How to Be Funny book. It's 503-733-2970. I think I have a copy of it. I had to bring that in. It's 503-733-2970. Back after this, more of Tim Riley around the corner. Stay there. That's going to be my password when I run a speakeasy. Hello, I'm here to see Deflator Mouse. All right, then come in. Eye hole slam shut. Fantastic. All right. That or fishbowl. Uh, what are we doing here? Hi, it's Tim Riley. Hey, Tim. Yes. How's that news going over there? Fabulously, why? Let's hear more of it. All right, time for a penis watch. Here's your penis watch for uh, Wednesday here on the Rick Emerson Team Radio Program. Look at my enormous penis, and my troubles start to melt away. La la la. I take a look at my enormous penis, and everything is going my way. This comes to us from Salem. A man who has converted to Judaism. Maybe that's Judaism. Uh, Judaism is when you're a huge fan of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, that's it. Uh, told the Oregon Supreme Court. <laughs> okay. Every time you make me laugh, my contact lenses roll into the back of my head. And it, and it takes him a while to roll back into place so I can read it. So please stop making me laugh. <laughs> okay, that's the funniest thing you've ever said. What a what a what a weird problem that is. <laughs> it is. It takes me a, a minute for them to come back so I can focus on what I'm reading. Okay. So it's it's time to be very serious. I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. So my eyes will roll back to the front of my head so I can continue to read. Well, this uh, yes, this person who uh, you're squinting. This squint you've got on is hilarious right now. I know. We're almost back to normal here. Give me about ten more seconds. Hold on. Sorry, let me just uh, no, no. Let me just. Uh, we'll we'll go ahead and. Uh... Okay, we're back. Well, a man who converted to Judaism told the Oregon Supreme Court today that he has the right, as a custodial parent, to circumcise his 12-year-old son against oh. the wishes of his Russian Orthodox ex-wife. Oh hell no. This is the classic kind of decision. Like, this goes on all the time. Like, it happens every day. This poor 12-year-old kid. I, I wonder if this is known in school. Anyway, but a lawyer for Lisa Bolt uh, well, argue that she could get a court hearing and try to prove that circumcising a 12-year-old boy poses a serious health risk. Well, I would say so. I would say not only... Well, I mean... No, apparently, their son is afraid to tell his daddy he doesn't want to go through with it. Jesus. We're not talking about circumcising an infant here, said a Clayton Patrick. She's entitled to a hearing. Lisa Bolt filed for divorce back in 1998. She initially won custody of her son, but James Bolt, who now lives in Olympia, uh, later gained it. I don't know what that means. Well, hold on. And then let's, first of all, okay, so the father con- converted to Judaism? Yeah. Is, is Does it say if she is Jewish herself? She's a Ru- Russian Orthodox lady. Okay, all right. So then, I mean, but it, I mean, you're 12 years old. Would you, look, in my opinion, this is my opinion only, it, you, I mean... Everybody knows my thoughts on circumcision to, to, to begin with. You Everyone know? cross their legs. Well, you know what? Look, I mean, if a kid grows up, if a, if a guy grows up and at the age of 18 looks around and says, you know what? I 
There's just too much to my penis. I need bits of it cut away. You know what? Then, I'm sorry. I hate to say yeah, everybody it. Everybody crossed their lips. No, but I mean, it, it, look, if you grow up as a, as a man, when you are a man and you are allowed to make your own decisions about your body, to say, look, I, I just like to have the part of my junk cut off. You know what? Then that's your decision. But the idea that you're going to you know, hold down a baby and do it again, you know, without asking, or, and that 12-year-old, and of course, if the kid wasn't known in school before, he is... Now, because this is from the Oregonian, I think it was from Oregon Live. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the mom's name has been revealed, and I think the court, the dad's name is there. And, and the case is drawing nationwide attention. I'm sure this 12-year-old. I'm sure the 12-year-old hat. Yeah, because at 12 years old, that's when you want everybody in the country talking about what's going to happen to your penis. And, of course, especially if you have a, you know, the dad is in custody and little, you know, little boys or boys of any age. He's not a little boy, but, I mean, boys of any age are usually a little bit afraid of the dad. And they, they don't want to, you know, get on the dad's bad side, especially if the dad is who you have to live with. And the dad is, my opinion, unhinged enough to want to be cutting away pieces of the kid's penis at age 12. So, I mean, you know, the solution is, I mean, if this really is a thing that you feel like, you know, if you really feel like the man in the sky is demanding that pieces of your son's penis be cut off, I, I guess you do that like early on. Uh, it, you know, once you've missed that well, window of clearly, opportunity, you know the parents here have too much time on their hands. Well, honestly, I mean, really, I mean, because I know that that's what the Lord is obsessed with. The Lord is obsessed with the size and shape of your son's penis. I think maybe they maybe they think that they're Catholic. So in any event, just you know, oh. Jesus. <laughs> The whole thing is just weird. So congratulations on at least, look, let's put it this way. Even if you ha don't succeed in physically scarring your child, congratulations on mentally scarring him already. Well done, parent of the year. He's going to be called the penis boy. Jackass. Jack. Congratulations. All right. So there you go. So there's, there's some more people who ought not to be allowed to have children. Mm -hmm. Too late now. Uh, there you go. That's your Take penis. Take a look at my enormous penis. And my troubles start a melting away. I take a look at my enormous penis. And everything is going my way. And the idea that, that like God is up there with a yardstick or something. Just like... Like, that, you know, when the time comes for your great reward and that God is going to be there with, like, some sort of measuring stick and he's going to, like, he's going to whip it out and measure it against your kid's genitals to see, you know, like, how, to see how he fares in the afterlife. The love of God. All right. Uh, all right. Here's Tim Riley. Well, the Russians are up poisoning their enemies again. Now German tennis star Tommy Huss says he believes he was poisoned during his country's Davis Cup semifinal defeat to Russia. He was beaten in straight sets by Igor Andreev. In the singles, as Russian claimed a 3-2 win over Germany over the weekend. I never felt so miserable in my life as I did on Saturday. Of the eight nights I should have been sleeping, I spent six of them on the toilet, he said. Oh. Thanks to the Russians. Oh. Oh. Russians not to poison people. Thank you. Six weeks after the incident, Haas says he's still feeling the effects. My stomach is doing strange things. Skin is going to be falling off next. You don't want to screw with the Russians. They'll screw you right back. They sure will. So, they know how to do it. I should clarify, by the way, my statements on that story when I said that they ought not to be allowed to have to. Well, first of all, the court decided for whatever reason that the mom can't have custody, right? right? Isn't that the right. deal? Mm -hmm. She had it. and So the court has decided the mom ought not to have the kid. Uh, the mom, at least to her credit, is trying to stop this weird 12-year-old circumstance. It's just weird. Like, imagine if you just... Let me just say, let me just need to take all of the belief in the man in the sky out of this for a second. Let's all... Let's remove from this equation uh, the invisible friend for adults and just say, like, what if you were some just 
you know, some, some non-religious guy who is obsessed with, like, whittling away your son's penis. They put you in a small room for the rest of your life for that. They put you in a cage, and they look at you through a window for the rest of your life, and they wonder why you're so obsessed with the penises of 12-year-old boys. So the fact that you're doing it because you think God is whispering in your ear to do it either makes it slightly better or horrifically worse. I don't really know. At least the mom is trying to stop it, although in divorce cases, you never really know where the motivation for that is. You might just be wanting to screw the husband back for something. So, Jesus. So a whole lot of kids that would be better off being raised by wolves, you know? That is a good idea. Uh, six days on a toilet. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, hey, Rick. Jesse from Red Hot Pistol. Hello, sir. Hey, I've got a great uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemaker story. Excellent. You. Fantastic. Lay it on me. I was, uh, maybe seven years ago? I don't know. I was living in uh, Phoenix. Uh-huh. And a buddy of mine and I went down to... Rocky Point, Mexico. Right. Uh, it's kind of the closest place, and a lot of people from uh, ASU go down there. So we went down there, and uh, um, there was tons of ASU, you know, hottie girls, and they were all kind of telling us to go to this one club for a show. And we go right. there, and it was Roger Klein and the Peacemaker. Yeah. And they rocked it. I mean, they were awesome for about 45 minutes. I don't know if he's quit drinking since then. <laughs> but about 45 minutes into it, it was completely wasted. It, like, they'd be playing a song, and he'd literally fall off the front of the stage. How long ago was this? This was like six, seven years ago. I yeah. Think now, uh, that, I know that the answer, well, I mean, from what I've read, the answer to your question is yes, then. I know that there were some, as they say, um, some, some issues uh, that were, the band was dealing with at that point. Although, one of the questions I mentioned on my MySpace blog, and I sent a little thing about today, is like, oh, Roger Klein today, because Roger Klein is not, not a huge mainstream success, but he, is, he, has a, he has a huge cult following, and I know the people who love Roger Klein love Roger Klein, and they tell all their other Roger Klein friends. friends so I said on a thing about it, and... One of the first questions I got is like, Rick, I have to know this. How many shots of tequila is he offered during every show? Because if you go to see a Roger Klein show, they have so much of that cool Southwestern vibe going on, and all you see is an endless procession of shots of tequila being passed through the crowd sometimes to him on stage. I'll say this. Uh, I've seen him uh, a few times now, and this will be uh, – I'm going to see both shows this weekend. And, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell I'll, – you know, I'll, I'll gush more like an idiot fanboy later, but it's been – it's been fantastic. It does not surprise me, though, especially if you saw him at a small club at like a one-off gig. Uh, those in are guys Mexico, who, no less. yeah, in Mexico. Well, was it for? They do this thing in Mexico called Mexicosis. Um, they do it uh, every year, where it is a three-day long party for their fans, and the fans just show up. Uh, and and Roger Klein, they they come and they every night they come out and they play for hours, and then there's like a fireworks thing, and then if you show up at the bar the next day, like Roger and his guys just come in and they just eat breakfast out of, out of, you know at, at this bar with the fans, and then they know. play again. So it would not surprise me if those guys they like to drink. Yeah, I don't know if it was that because that's the, kind of the first time I ever heard about him. And yeah. if, if that was, he was asleep for the fireworks. He was so <laughs> but yeah, he fall off the stage, and so the band would—they were getting pissed, so they just started like playing, you know, cover songs, instrumentals. Uh -huh. And then he'd wake up off the floor and come on stage while they're playing "L.A. Woman," and for about 10, 15 seconds, "L.A. Woman," and they'd fall off the stage again. And then they change songs, and he'd wake up again and come back on stage. Excellent, it was hilarious. It's part of his rock and roll lifestyle, sir. Yeah, you should ask him about that. I will. All right, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I were, oh, what have I done? Okay, no, I did the right thing there. Yeah, no, I, I think if you read, um, the Wikipedia entry for, I don't know if it was the replacement, the refreshments. I know that was one of the reasons the refreshments took a hiatus and then later became, um, uh, the, the, uh, the peacemakers. It's because there were, there were some issues with someone's, um, someone, someone's love of drinking. So here's Tim Riley. Filming has stopped on NBC sitcom The Office. 
all because Steve Carell has refused to cross the picket lines. The executive producer of the show says the last episodes will air next week. It is among at least eight primetime shows to stop shooting so far because of the ongoing writer's strike. The producer is among 60 people protesting outside Disney Studios in Burbank as the strike enters its third day. It was among a number of producer writers who joined the protest. No new contract talks are scheduled. Uh, so apparently the first show to get hit by this uh, on ABC, I was reading a thing about this morning, is going to be, not that I really watch this, but Desperate Housewives. I got They've only got like four episodes or something left of Desperate Housewives, and then that's going to be screwed. And apparently if this, goes, if this goes on for any length of time, they're going to shove Lost back to 2009. So well done there. So, yeah. So this is, by the way... Uh, Writers Guild, it's not that I'm not sympathetic to your plight in many ways. I, it's not that the studios aren't screwing you. They are. It's not that you don't deserve the money. You do. I'm just saying the, card, the cold hard facts of this is, man, every time that a show gets postponed, delayed, stopped, halted, gets put on hiatus, the American public is going to turn on you. That's all. That, I, and I don't know what the answer is because the studios are no better. The studios are a bunch of weaselly bastards. So it's just, man, it's, it's a bad situation. I... Uh, it really is. It's it's going to get better for, uh, for worse for it gets better. Here's Tim Riley. The 35th anniversary of The Godfather is being marked with a new book. Jenny M. Jones, authorized the noted Godfather, features the film's complete screenplay with commentary of every scene. She says The Godfather has retained its popularity because of its underlying theme. It has kind of an epic scope in a way, but it's also really about a family and the themes of the relationship between fathers and sons and brothers, I think, are very interesting to people. Jenny M. Jones says she did a lot of research for the book. I interviewed Francis Ford Coppola and went to Napa to where he has a little archive of his own. So I was able to go through some of his materials and talk to him. And talking to other folks, I talked to the makeup man, the casting director. Is this the... The old Jenny Jones, I was now just, Jenny M. Jones? I was just wondering about that, and I was thinking it can't be because that's why the M has got to be there, because she's probably a member of the Screen Actors Guild. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jenny Jones, the old talk show host, is, is certainly a member of the Screen Actors Guild, and you can't have two names that are the same, which is why she probably put the M there. Mm -hmm. But that did... This woman that you're interviewing now, they have the clips on. No yes. offense, she's so boring. I started thinking about the old Jenny Jones and wondering exactly the same thing. And then I thought, well, where is Jenny Jones, the old hostess? Where is she at now? Well, she was hot. I really found her strangely attractive. Mm -hmm. Jenny Jones was weird looking. She was kind of weird looking. She was kind of sexy, though. She had like she a. She kind of looked like Cheryl Ladd, didn't she, a little? A little bit. Yeah, yeah she had kind of a weird slut vibe going on, though. I kind of, I thought her, I thought she was hot. Uh, I did really like her show. She's really, she's, well, Jenny Jones is the one who had that, she had that infamous show. Where it was like, hey, meet this guy who secretly has a crush on you. And they brought on the big redneck. And then she thought it would be a great idea to, like, bring out, like, he, he was like his gay co-worker or neighbor or something. Like, hey, this guy really likes you. And then it all ended badly with, like, a shotgunning mm -hmm. later on. And Jenny just, Jenny just, I had no idea. I, uh, I thought that everybody would just find it to be a gag and a goof. So... I think she went away shortly after that. Here's Tim Riley. Uh, Jenny M. Jones says she's surprised the Godfather movie was even made. About 12 directors turned it down. Francis Ford Coppola turned it down the first time he was asked. And then when he was hired, there was major arguments between Coppola and the studio as to you know his vision for the film. One of the biggest stars almost didn't get cast. The casting of Al Pacino, he was really an unknown at the time. He had been in a few theater productions um, in just one film that hadn't even come out. And he wasn't your typical Hollywood-looking guy. 
Well, and the, the, of course, the biggest story everybody always hears about that is um, how, well, two things. A, I, I mean, I'm not conflating stories here because there's one about Apocalypse Now, one about The Godfather. Well, about The Godfather, you know, they didn't want it to be Marlon Brando. The studio wanted it to be Ernest Borgnine. Whoa. That was the, I know, but that's who the studio wanted. The studio was like, no, 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 it's got to be Ernest Borgnine. And Coppola kept saying, no, I've got this guy, Marlon Brando. He's the guy. And they're like, no, 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 Brando Schmando, Borgnine. So that and- it was like the third choice, Shecky Green or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you about a guy named Zeppo. Uh, the um, and I think it was The Godfather where he knew they were going to fire him. There was all this scuttlebutt that the studio was just so they did cost overruns and it was over budget and whatever. And so the studio was going to fire Coppola. So as a preemptive move in Hollywood, I think you do what you have to do. And in as a preemptive move, like they were going to fire him on Friday. So Coppola, instead, on Thursday, fired everybody else on the crew. Uh, he fired all of his assistant directors. He fired, like, his director of photography, which he said he didn't want to do, but it was the only way to keep him safe. He's like, I knew they couldn't fire me, like, with no crew around. So he's like, they were going to fire me on Friday. So instead, on Thursday, I fired everybody else. And he's like, that let me, he's like, that postponed the firing long enough that I was able to get footage that they liked. That was the only way that movie got made. Um, 1972, The Godfather won Best Picture, of course. Every other major award that year won by what picture? Anyone? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, I know. Um, oh, I always get it confused. In 1972. Midnight Cowboy. No. Damn it. Wrong. Uh, 1972, good good guess, though. In uh, 1972, The Godfather won for Best Picture. Every other major award was won by the film version of Cabaret. Oh, there you go. Best director, best actress, best actor. I think everything went to Cabaret except for Best Picture, which went to The Godfather. So there you go. Godfather. Is that the 35th? What's the book called? The you Godfather. Are, okay. <laughs> you're bluffing. You've already thrown it away. You don't know. All right. By the way, you're listening to KCMD, Portland. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Sir or madam is the case, maybe. Uh, that would be a sort of thing. Hello, what's up? Hey, so uh, all this type of talk about bike accidents and stuff lately. Yes, sir. I'm running around doing some deliveries, driving down 82nd, and right in front of East Port Plaza, there's a cop over on the side of the road with, the, with its lights going. Uh-huh. I drive by, and in the middle of the driveway, going into East Port Plaza, bike laying on its side, and uh, some old lady looks like she turned well, when, in. When is this? Is this today? This was about 10 minutes ago. Okay. So some old lady trying to turn into East Port Plaza. Nailed the bike. Wait, so this is, so Eastport Plaza is like where the Century, that's how sad am I, the Century Eastport 16 is where there's that Izzy's Pizza right there, and that whole yeah, place. Yeah, I believe where, that's all the same area. The Walmart, the G.I. Joe's or whatever is right exactly, there. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, so it, this is the bike lane on, it, well, the it bike lane. It might have been on the sidewalk. The bike was in the middle of the sidewalk. But this is the bike, but this is the closest to the, uh, to, to, to like, to, to that plaza. It's the driveway going into that plaza. And so it looks like the woman was trying to make a right-hand turn into there, or she was turning left across traffic. Turning in right there. into the mall. Really? And so this is just about 10 minutes ago you saw this? Yep. Jesus. Tim, is there anything? Have you seen anything No, nothing that? yet. All right. So we'll keep an eye. Does it, do you, uh, I mean, from I what you I could see, was there any? The bike, the bike was okay. So it, did you I see the, did you it. see the cyclist? I'm not sure if it was a cyclist or not, but there was a guy standing next to the bike. All right. Uh, did you see an ambulance? Uh, no. All right. Well, that's a good like sign, the I suppose. just got on the scene, though. All right. Well, that might be a good sign that there wasn't an ambulance, but uh, <laughs> you know, who knows? Not really sure, yeah. All right. Well, we'll look into it. Thank you for the heads up, sir. Thank you. All right. So Goodbye. there you go. Jesus. 
I would like to see statistics now. Someone find them about whether this is happening more this year or whether we're just noticing it more. Now, I was reading an article about it yesterday. It stated that the same flat rate, but so far in 2007, there have been seven bicyclists killed. But I mean, I wonder if that's at a greater. Like, but it's, it's, it's stayed the same. Like, usually it's on average right. uh, on the same track to be about the same amount okay. per year. All right. Well, but as more and more cyclists increase, I mean. That's true. More people so. become aware of problems. Ugh. All right. So there you go. So steer clear of that section of 82nd, I guess, today. Stay clear of 82nd. <laughs> Stay clear of Southeast Portland, won't you please? Uh, oh, by the way, this is, this is speaking of Southeast Portland. I do have to give a little shout-out to a guy named John. I told the story about a month ago about how I was uh, on the phone with uh, Joni. I was, it was, had gone to the store. I was on the phone, and I wanted to, like, walk into the house on the cell phone and just be continuing the conversation on the cell phone and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my wife is open and everything. So I just, I'm standing out there, get out of the car. I'm on the phone. I'm standing there kind of finishing up the phone call, standing on the sidewalk in front of my house. And a guy walks by, and he gives me what I call the long look, where he kind of gives me the look. And then he does the slow point, the tapping point in the air with the smile, and he goes, and I, and I looked and I said, I put the phone down for a second. And I said, yes, hello, sir. And he said, are you Rick Emerson? And I said, yes, you know, I'm, on my better days, I am Rick Emerson, yes. And uh, and he said, I'm not glorious, I'm just a bastard, but I love your show. And I said, thank you. And then he, this was the guy that he walked to the end of the street then, and I'm back on the phone. And he turned around and he goes, I'm going to the plaid, do you need anything? Which is like a great Southeast Portland moment. So that's last month. Last night, same thing. Except I'm coming out of the house, getting into my car last night. The same guy walks by, and he goes, do you remember me? And I said, and I did. Uh, and I said, hey, you're that you're the guy who said you weren't glorious, you're just a bastard. And then you asked me if I wanted anything for the plaid. And he goes, yeah, well, I am glorious now. I'm still a bastard, but I am glorious. And, you know, I love your show. And I said, well, that's great. And uh, thanks for listening. And he goes, so... You know, I spread the word because somebody tipped me off to your show. And I said, oh, well, who who tipped you off to the show? Who? How did you discover it? He goes, a guy who looks just like Drew Carey. So thank him on the radio for me. <laughs> and I'm, I just kind of said, all right. And then without, before I could even really respond, the guy just goes, and I'm really drunk, so please forgive me. But <laughs> I love your show. I'm John. And then he just staggered off down the street. So to John, who lives in my neighborhood, apparently, who was, was drunk last night, but who was turned onto this program by a guy who looks like Drew Carey. Uh, so thanks thanks to all y'all. So there you go. That doesn't happen in your neighborhood, Tim. In your neighborhood, people hermetically seal themselves inside their homes and then speak to no one. As it should be. As it should be. I'm not, I'm not really giving They do take out their recycling bins once a week. We don't they, do they that. They don't take them back in the day after they get in trouble. We don't do that. We just we don't even bring our cans back into the house. We just leave them out front by the curb day in, day out. Oh, no. That wouldn't be allowed. Every week. I know. Well, what do they do? Seriously, what do they do? What kind of, what kind of code are they possibly going to enforce in Southeast? So the only code they have in Southeast is no snitching. That's it. That's the only code we have in my neighborhood, I think. Uh, all right. Here's Jim Riley coming up in just a few, by the way. Uh, we'll talk to CNN investigative correspondent Drew Griffin, uh, who is uh, taking a look inside the world of pro wrestling tonight on Death Grip. I think that's what it's called. Wait, let me make sure. Wait, hold on. Death Grip? I think it's called Death Grip. Death Grip inside pro wrestling. Let me make sure that I've got that Not correct. sold in stores. G.I. <laughs> Joe with the death grip. Uh, that is tonight. So we'll t especially with Hulk Hogan's kid getting hit for something and yeah. all that. So we'll talk to him later on. Uh, Mr. Skin at 1.30, Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers in the 2 o'clock hour, all that. Here's Tim Riley. Well, Gresham, please. Today, have indicated they will increase patrols on the max line. Uh, some of these cops will be in uniform, some out of uniform, that means they're not going to be there all the time. When they said, oh, they're not going to be, they're not going to be in uniform. Then they can lie, right? They're no, we were undercover lie. that day. Yeah. You, that's why you didn't see us. So, uh, yeah, that's it. So that, 
So who knows who's lying about what? You're just as unsafe as ever. As always. All right. Uh, let's do a Britney watch. That sounds like fun. Here's your Britney watch. Richie, if you can take a look at the uh, warm line there, that may in fact be Drew Griffin. Thank you. So we'll uh, do this Britney watch, and then we'll talk to uh, CNN investigative correspondent Drew Griffin here. Just a minute. Here's Tim Riley. I'll do this quickly then. Britney Spears' blackout is number one. Ah, ah no, wait, no, hold on a second now. Stop the presses, Tim. I've always wanted to say that. Is it a million cylinder? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Mm. You know, so in this Britney watch, Britney news moves so fast these days uh, that it actually has changed just between when I gave you the Britney watch and now. A... Oh, did you also say that she's been ordered to pay Kevin Federline's court bills? It's fantastic. I just saw that this morning. Oh, I, haven't, yes. I haven't seen verification. Is that true? Let's see here. Apparently so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess the judge told her not only does she have to pay her own legal fees, she has to pay Kevin Federline's legal fees as well because he has, quote, no income. Mm-hmm. So the story is great and embarrassing for everyone involved. Um. So you had this thing about Blackout debuting at number one, right? Correct. So yes. read that, and then I will read this, and then we'll bring the curtain down for now. It's just a little bright spot for Britney Spears, otherwise dim world. Your new album, Blackout, will finish at number one this week. It's sold between 325,000 and 350,000 copies, depending on who you believe, but it's enough to put her ahead of Carrie Underwood, at least for the week. The Blackout numbers, though, are severely down from Spears' last release. When In the Zone was released in 2003, it sold 609,000 copies in its first week. So we have that, but then I got this uh, handed to me just moments before the show. Oh, my. Britney Spears' Blackout, and this is the article speaking now, got, quote, hosed by a last-minute Billboard rule change that allowed the Eagles' new record, Long Road Out of Eden, to take the number one spot with 711,000 copies sold. The new rule dubbed, quote, the Screw Britney Clause by industry insiders denied Brit's commercial break, uh, denied uh, Brit's uh, comeback album uh, from going to number one. So apparently Britney was number one for like a day, and then Billboard had revised its rules to allow the Eagles in, because the thing is that Eagles record is only available at a Walmart location, and that didn't used to be allowed. Now it is, so Britney can eat it, so she fails to debut at number one. So another reason to drink for Britney Spears. Fantastic! There's your Britney watch for today. Fantastic. All right, more from Tim Riley here in just a skosh. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com coming up later on. Also, Roger Klein of Roger Klein and Peacemakers. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show CNN investigative correspondent Drew Griffin, uh, whose uh, special Death Grip Inside Pro Wrestling airs tonight. Uh, that is tonight, ladies and gentlemen, at, uh, I believe, 5 and uh, 7 o'clock Pacific time, if I'm doing the conversion right in my head, but I wouldn't put it past myself to get it wrong. Hello, Drew. How are you, sir? Rick, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being here, my friend. 
Lauren. Um, so uh, this is not really related to anything that you're talking about tonight, but I know that we've had a couple events already this week, and I haven't really followed pro wrestling as a fan since I was a kid. I mean, I kind of transitioned out of that at about 12 or 13, but I noticed that even today the sort of secondary and tertiary worlds of pro wrestling are in the news because you got Hulk Hogan's kid, who I guess is going to be, is he going to the clink, Sarah? Is that the thing that they already, or is it, is he just been arrested? I think he's just been arrested right now. So there's some horrific accident with him and sort of whole bad thing. And of course, the, the Chris Benoit un, unpleasantness just continues to unravel. So we'll talk about uh, the special, which is going to be airing tonight in a second. But let me just bottom line it and ask you this. Here's a silly question. Do people in pro wrestling, do, do they, uh, do they go nuts or get into weird trouble more often than other uh, athletes? Or is that just my imagination? I think when you look just statistically uh, at who's dying, if you just look at death rates, the death rate in pro wrestling just usurps, eclipses the NFL. Okay, these guys are wrestling seven times their normal uh, population. They're dying seven times the rate of that, you know, male age group in that population. So they they stand out for a reason, which is why we took a look at them. Because quite frankly, I don't follow wrestling either. But when I start looking at, you know, 64 deaths over 20 years or 18 deaths in the last five years of guys all under 40 or under 50, it's shocking when you look at the number of wrestlers. There's only a couple of hundred of them. So what is it? So what is the? What are they dying from? You know what? It's it's they're like rock and roll stars. You talk about Britney Spears. These guys have addictions. Uh, they're addicted to painkillers. A lot of them are using uh, in, in intense amounts of steroids that are enlarging their hearts and leading to heart attacks. And then, quite frankly, you have a fair amount killing themselves, like Chris Benoit did. Suicide is a big factor in a lot of these wrestlers' deaths. Now he is uh, the most high-profile guy because it was all of this, the horrific thing. Was the kid but the was only reason he stood out, and quite frankly, we probably wouldn't even be talking if he did not kill his family first because most of these wrestlers kill themselves and they're a little blurb on page three of the paper or somewhere down the, the newscast on, on radio but the fact that he had such a spectacular crime is what forced us to take a look at this world of wrestling and once we opened up the book and started looking at it, it it's really quite frightening to see how many just have have died unspectacularly, but tragically, to, to say the least. Now, from what you guys saw in, again, the special airs at 5 and 7 o'clock Pacific tonight, uh, Death Grip Inside Pro Wrestling. We're talking to Drew Griffin from CNN. So did, 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 from what you saw, is it, are these guys, like, let's say, the guys who abuse drugs or they're taking their own lives, are they, are they doing that stuff because it's something that wrestling does to your life, or are they getting into wrestling because they're kind of messed up to begin with? I think it's a combination of both. A lot of the drugs come later when they get the money and also when they get the pain. And they, they, they kind of start out on painkillers. A lot of the old guys would tell us about washing down, you know, 10 pills of Somas with vodka uh, as they're out on the road. They live like, uh, like a, uh, a non-top-performing rock and roll band. They're on the road a lot. They don't have a lot of money. And they're also getting beat up night after night to the point where if they want to perform the next night, they've got to help get through that, and a lot of them do turn to painkillers. Do, uh, do pro wrestlers have insurance? If they have insurance, it's individual insurance that they carry on themselves. They're contract performers, meaning they're not employees of a company. So Vince McMahon or whoever it is, he's not the, you, you don't get Blue Cross when you sign up to, you know, to fight Hulk Hogan or whatever. No. Now, they do have a new wellness program. 
that involves some level of drug screening and counseling. It doesn't but really it's seem not to be like a, you get Blue Cross Blue Shield. The wellness program doesn't really seem to be working. No, it's, it doesn't. It's maybe not working at all. Yeah, there are a few bumps on that road. I can never get a straight answer out of anybody on this, so maybe you're the guy to ask. Uh, I can never. I mean, I've asked people, I know we talked to Amanda Moyer at CNN, uh, you know, it's not Amanda's fault, certainly, but for weeks on end when the Chris Benoit thing happened, I can never figure out whether they're testing these guys for steroids or not, because it seems like in a staggering number of them are clearly jacked out of their brain on something, but I thought they tested for all that stuff now. Well, here, here's the bottom line. The Dr. David Black is a guy that runs the, uh, he helped develop the steroid program for the NFL. McMahon hires him in the beginning of, of uh, 2006 with the intent of cleaning steroids out of the system. Well, so far, 30 wrestlers have been caught and suspended. 60 have tested positive. All right? Now, we're talking about a small talent pool. That is an incredible amount of wrestlers who are or have been using steroids. Now, have they magically stopped since this program started? Clearly, no. They just suspended two more wrestlers, but last week. So uh, the, the answer to your question is, although we don't know individually the names of who is jacked up on steroids, the doctor admits a fair amount of these bodies on the WWE were made in a pharmacy, not did, in a gym. Did uh, did Vince McMahon agree to come on camera for this, or did he send one of his flax out? No, he, he sat down. He answered all of our questions. Uh, we were prepared for all the you know, uh, the histrionics uh, of past interviews, but no, he just calmly sat down with his wife, uh, Linda, who's the CEO of this company, and they answered all our questions. They were irritated, but I think that this crime that that their star carried out may have may have shaken them, may have them realizing uh, that they have to do something. And quite frankly, Rick, they're the only game in town. There's no more competition in professional wrestling. Well, there was the the WCW, but I McMahon either, but he bought them out or something. Yeah. He bought him. He yeah. bought everybody. He's the only game in town, so he's not competing with anybody anymore. Uh, only with himself, and I think he realizes that. If there is going to be any kind of cleanup in the industry, it's up to him. Well, I got to tell you, and you know, we're talking to uh, to Drew Griffin from CNN, CNN, uh, CNN investigative correspondent. The program is called Death Grip Inside Pro Wrestling, found at five and seven. I know a lot of people look down their noses or they sort of smirk or sneer at pro wrestling. And again, I don't really watch it as a fan at this point in my life. But you got to admit, you sit there, and if you watch it uh, on TV, the fully produced version, or even I've actually gone to see it live over the last couple of years with friends of mine who are you know who are still into it, and. I mean, it is amazing spectacle. I mean, it rivals any. It rivals the biggest, loudest, most well-produced rock concert I've ever been to in my life. I mean, it, it, it is carried out flawlessly. It is top-notch American entertainment. And the, you know, the bottom line: people always summarize it by saying, "Well, it's a soap opera for men," but it's so much beyond that. I mean, it is a soap opera inside a sporting event, inside a monster truck rally, inside a, a Kiss concert. It's unbelievable. Which is, which is, you know, just why we care about this because it is so many, so many people from every walk of life to watch it because it grosses I mean well, how much is pro wrestling how much is, does they, WWE they, make their every revenues year? are 400 million a year I mean and you don't you don't make 400 million a year by being on the redneck circuit uh -huh. you know what I mean so no no they're, they're making some serious money now the wrestlers aren't but this company is is you know Vince McMahon he, he 
you know, he, he made pay-per-view television. He's the guy that kind of dreamed the whole thing up. And he's making $100 million a year alone just on pay-per-view events, let alone his TV shows, which, like you say, they reach about 16 million people a week. And, just, and kind of a final question here is the, and I, I again, as both as a younger person, and I've seen, you know, like Beyond the Mat and some of those documentaries that are out there now, is a contributing factor to some of these pro wrestlers either getting hooked on drugs or off on themselves or whatever that, I mean, how long can your lifespan as a pro wrestler be, your, your, your career span anyway? It's very short, and again, it's all up to one guy, because this is scripted entertainment. And the guy who writes the script, Vince McMahon, decides who's at the top for how long, uh, and, and, and you have to look a certain way uh, to maintain that. And so it's all, it's all part of the soap opera, only in this soap opera, one guy is writing that script and deciding basically your fate. All right. The, uh, the show is Death Grip Inside Pro Wrestling, airs tonight at 5 and 7 p.m. on CNN. CNN investigative correspondent Drew Griffin. Thank you, Drew. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rick. Thank you, my friend. All right. There you go. Richie, if you want to uh, grab uh, Drew there before, we, uh, before he kind of vanishes into the ether, that would be fantastic. Thank you so much. That guy was great. Yeah. He sounded like a muckraker. He was good. No, he did. He, you know who he sounded like? He kind of sounded like uh, Gary Baumgarten. Kind of had that same oh, sort yeah. of tone, that same mm-hmm. little vibe going on there. Excellent. Man, I'm totally going to watch that. All right. That is a big night of CNN watching for me. It sure is. That's how exciting my life is. I'm going to go home and I'm going to watch Death Grip, and then I'm going to watch the West Memphis 3 thing tonight. So, uh, all right. Well, we got a couple. Let's uh, do a few more here, then we'll break, and we'll come back at the bottom with Mr. Skin. Then we've got all oh, this terrible Metallica thing to play. Jesus, then heroes go down, as Suzanne Vega would say. Just this Metallica thing is so bad. I don't even want to get. I don't want to get off into it now because if I th- talk about it now, I'm just going to ruin the whole surprise. I want it to be a surprise for all of you, oh, as joy. it was for me yesterday. Uh, later on, Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, uh, a band you really should see this weekend. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Why that sounds wonderful. Uh, Barack Obama's charter plane touched down last night, and aides were surprised that a car was in waiting for him. Apparently, once he stepped on the tarmac and realized, they landed at the wrong airport. <laughs> Instead of going to see the rappers, they ended up in Des Moines. But how can you tell? It's all flat out there. It's just corn. A uh, spokesman said the mistake on the plate was made uh, about an hour before they landed. The presidential candidate apologized for the delay, simply explaining there had been a mix-up. I'm telling that not even the pilot could figure out where they were in Des Moines. No. Uh, then we have this uh, uh, dog, the bounty hunter. His uh, bounty hunter. His uh, teary-eyed appearance on Hannity and Combs last night. Let's listen to this. I'm not taking a chance on some mother here. She's a Mexican. Oh, whatever. It's not because she's black. It's because we use the word Sometimes here, I'm not going to take a chance ever. So here he is, hanging his head in shame. Everything I've worked for for 30 years. Goodbye. Heard us say and turned us into the Empire magazine. Our career is over. Yeah. I'm not taking that chance. His at career is over. Never in life. Never. Never. If Leeds was dating, we would all say you. He's on class. If Lisa brought the black at home, you know that. And it's not that they're black. It's none of that. It's that we use the word. We don't mean you scum. I'm sorry. I'm laughing at this picture on the screen of him with his head in his hands, his power mullet flowing down his shoulders. You're breaking down just here now. What? What's going? What's going? Well, that's going, you know, really terrible. I don't. That is a terrible thing. And I he looks, he looks like the Lion on the Wizard of Oz. Totally, but at age 70. 
<laughs> and I uh, am very sorry that I said that. I'm here to redeem okay, here's my his relationship son. with my father. And this is and, uh, this is the son who who sold, sold this thing for what six thousand bucks. Uh, so here he is making another video apologizing to his dad. Try and make things a little easier on his life. Nobody won't appear on camera. I hope so. The another back. So. So I saw it. <laughs> Let me go to uh, Tucker's girlfriend. Monique, she's given an interview, National Enquirer, and this is part of what she had to say today. I believe that Dwayne is a racist because yes, I've is. heard many times what he says about me, not just this one time, but a lot of things he says and a lot of things he does. I think it was good for Amy to take him off the air because he portrays to be a role model and oh, he's, he's done. Not. He's the exact opposite. I want to take this moment out to say that I've never been in any trouble, so I really don't get you judging my character. You've never met me. Oh, he's so he is now we're so back to him again. I've never met her. She's a cute little girl. I didn't know. I didn't never know what she looked like. Well, he must have known what you looked like. Yeah. You have an opportunity tonight. You started to talk to her earlier. You want to say anything to her? Do you want to? Well, I like this. You know, I, I, I'm so sorry, honey. I'm so sorry. I'm not like that. You know that. No, she, oh, she knows just sorry. the opposite. Oh, that you are. Uh, Thank you. Oh, they gave him a tissue. Um, we're convicted of first-degree murder. Yes, sir. And this is we're going to talk I, about your listen, life in a little bit. I didn't do that. You said oh, no. no. You were convicted about that. Uh, Sean Hannity, courtesy of Perez Hilton, uh, talking to Dog the Bounty Hunter, whose career is over. Yeah. I didn't know what she looked like. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. I didn't. I'm not taking a chance on some mother. I don't care if she's a Mexican, a whore, whatever. It's not because she's black. It's the best part is how he loves it. being a Mexican and black and with being a whore. That's <laughs> that's really the, that's how you can tell he's a good person. Mm -hmm. Jesus. And the kid who sold. This voicemail to the well, Inquirer. thousand. He, he could have got more for it. Oh, yeah, he Shaking that tree a little harder. So the next time, young man, get yourself an agent and sell it for some big bucks. He should have given them like 10 seconds. And look, I've got the rest, but I need $900 million for that. Um, the kid taped a little thing, but notably wouldn't appear on camera with the dad, who, A, is hideously unattractive. B, looks like he's Jim been drinking. nailed it when he looks like he's uh, the lion from The Wizard of Oz. He looks like the lion from The Wizard of Oz. Am I making The Wizard of Oz the lion noise right? Isn't that kind of what the lion always did? I don't know. I don't but that doesn't really matter. I guess I shouldn't sully L. Frank Baum's creations that way. Yes. Um, no, the totally look like that, but he's got the power mullet and then balding, of course. Mm -hmm. Big bald spot with the power mullet flowing over the bald spot. And he looks puffy, as though he's been tranquilized. Uh, We're not so. talking puffy combs. No. No, he wouldn't be talking puppy combs either, Tim. Even though I'm sure he doesn't know what that. And that girl, uh, the uh, what is the, the the girlfriend's name? I don't know. Well, whatever the, the girlfriend's name, um, uh, whatever the, the, the man, you can tell, you can tell that she has known for the longest time what a dick he is. You can that that she just has that calm, uh, clear, icy delivery of someone who just knew forever. That he was just a bastard and was just and was just waiting and just knew that the moment would come. So excellent, good for you, uh, son and girlfriend. And uh, next time, hold out for more money. Serious inquirer, <laughs> right? Obviously, Jesus. I'm not taking a chance on some mother. I don't care if she's a Mexican, a whore, whatever. It's not because she's black.
All right. Uh, there you go. Well, there's a the guy you don't have to worry about anymore. No. Hey, uh, coming up around the corner, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Uh, later on this, uh, speaking of guys who look like the Cowardly Lion, we'll have uh, James Hetfield and Metallica embarrassing themselves again later on in this hour. Oh, Roger. going to be here? No. Oh. Wait a couple of years. Get him, get him in then. Uh, Roger Klein uh, from Roger Klein, the Peacemakers, coming up in the 2 o'clock hour. And more. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. We have the chance to interview Loverboy. I'm sorry, Mike Reno from Loverboy. Are you going to do it? I really do think if anybody's going to do it, it's got to be Scotty. I mean, what am I going to ask the guy from Loverboy? I mean, it's not that I'm not a Loverboy fan. I don't, I mean, I celebrate at least the... I mean, the, who isn't? I, well, I mean, I'm a fan. Of, I mean, I know the stuff that everybody knows. And I did own that CD, uh, I'm sorry, that tape. Loving every minute of it because I the titular song I found to be uh, compelling and well it seems like a thing that Scotty would really be into. Uh, we should call Scotty here as soon as we're done talking to Mr. Skin. What do you think? Do you think we can? Why not? What's he doing? Working? Doesn't he have to clear it with his president? Don't lie to yourself. Hey, delude yourself about that so-called job he has. Uh, it's five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Uh, so we're going to talk to uh, Mr. Skin in just one second. Then Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth. Then we'll talk to. We'll see if we can track down Scotty J. We got this horrible Metallica thing, and then later on Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. So welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. The one and only Mr. Skin. Hello, sir. What up, Rick? How you doing? How's life, my friend? Oh, everything's great. In the world of nudity, there are no dark days. Of course. I mean, your your worst day at work is so much better than like oh, the average guy's day at his job. So true. That is so true. So, and I, I should remember that. Um, I got an email for you, actually. Somebody said, Rick, I'm sure Mr. Skin has reviewed this in the past, but I just watched Natalie Portman in... Now, is this... The clo- is this The Closer or Closer? Oh, Closer, yeah. Closer. Yeah. Uh, where she's apparently a stripper in some Oh, scene. yeah. Yeah, she plays a stripper. Unfortunately, doesn't strip completely, but I want to say is in a thong uh, in an amazing scene, and it's about the thinnest thong you ever saw. So it's it's as nude as you could get without officially being nude because it's a thong. Is it frustrating to you as the as, as the guy who sort of you know this, this this is your bread and butter so to speak that you get these celebrities who decide they want to play strippers and then take no clothing off? See also Jessica Alba. Oh yeah, see Jessica Alba, see Carla Gugino in uh you know in in uh, Sin City. Uh, it's just uh, what, I'm not Sin City in uh, Grindhouse. It's just you see you get the movie Grindhouse had strippers without stripping. Uh, since City did, it's just we get, we've got to sign a petition that will not allow that. If you play a stripper, you should have to strip. Uh, before we before we talk about what's new uh, this week in DVD in the theaters, I did. There's uh, the geek community is all a flutter about a little bit of casting. Apparently, they're going to be remaking. Tim Riley will be horrified by this. They are going to be remaking the day the Earth stood still. Apparently, mm-hmm. with wait for it, Keanu Keanu Reeves aye, aye, aye. and Jennifer Connelly. Wow. Um, and the only good thing about this article I read was that accompanying the article was a picture. Sure, Jennifer Connelly back when she was unbelievably gorgeous. Oh yeah, you want to uh, go to our site and check her out in a movie called The Hot Spot. She was like 19 or 20 years old, and she has a topless scene on the beach, which I consider one of the top five nude scenes of all time. And uh, she really looked amazing back then. She was full figured. She was beautiful. Uh, just a 
amazing uh, nude scene in the movie's called The Hot Spot for Jennifer Connelly. All right. Uh, so what else is what's uh, what's new in the theaters and DVD well, this week? Well, uh, Fred Claus is the big uh, movie this weekend. Vince Vaughn, the Christmas comedy, and there's a his co-star in this is Rachel Weiss uh, or Rachel Weiss. I don't know how she's pronouncing it these days, but. Uh, you might know her from the movie The Constant Gardener. Um, lots of guys will get to know her from this movie. And, of course, she's not naked in Fred Claus, but if you uh, are wondering if she's ever been nude, back in 1998 she did a movie called I Want You, and an hour and 13 minutes in, uh, complete nudity, very hot uh, uh, sh- shot of Rachel Weisz, and I know a lot of guys are into her, and even more will be after they see Fred Claus. Now, uh, the big DVD out this week is I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Uh, you probably heard of this movie with Adam Sandler right. and Kevin James. It came out this summer. It's another PG-13 movie, but an hour and three minutes in, Jessica Biel uh, strips down to her underwear. And um, it's. I know when I do my Anatomy Awards next year, Rick, uh, I will say uh, uh, best underwear scene I already know is going to be Jessica Biel and I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry. Guys are going nuts. On this stuff, uh, it's not nudity, but but her and her underwear is as good as any actress naked, pretty much. And of course, she's another actress who has yet to do the, the, the any the yeah, actual nudity need, anywhere. Yeah, she has yet to be naked, but this is a great start in her underwear. And I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Uh, also, the Cosby Show season five and six out on DVD this week, and the Huxtable household, uh, of course, remain nudity free. But the daughter on that show, Lisa Bonet. Uh, she did a movie right in her second or third season of the Cosby Show called Angel, Angel Heart Hearts. with Mickey Rourke. And she was so naked and had such a wild scene with Mickey Rourke that, it, let's put it this way, it was so good that, that Bill Cosby spun her off into her own sitcom. He didn't want anything to do with her. So she was on a sitcom called The Different World, and uh, that's how good the nudity was. So in honor of the Cosby Show season five and six, a little update on Lisa Bonet. Fantastic. Always a pleasure, my friend, Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you next week. Same to you, Rick. Thank you, sir. There you go. Angel Heart. I remember that. Lisa Bonet was a bad girl. She's kind of vanished now. The last thing I've ever seen her was High Fidelity. Didn't she have uh, Lenny Kravitz's kid? Yeah, they were, well, I don't know if they were married, but they were together. He wrote a whole album for her. His whole second album, Mama Said, is all about her. And that song, It Ain't Over Till It's Over, was written about her. Um, uh, that song, uh, uh, Everything in My Life, I think, and Fields of Joy is about. He wrote a whole Flower Child, which is off his first album, which is a fantastic song, is is all about her. Um, she was hot and just just the dirtiest thing. Uh, that movie, Angel Heart, that was notorious when I was in high school because it was Robert De Niro and Mickey Rourke, and yeah, we had all of this like weird. It was like this weird voodoo sex thing, and then they had to chop it all to hell because she was... And yeah, and as soon as it came out, Bill Cosby was like, I do not want you on my program anymore. And then he just he kicked her off into the, into the Dwayne Wayne show because she had just horrified everybody. So, God love her. All right, here's Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, polygamous leader Warren Jets tried to hang himself earlier this year. When Did he, he succeed? No, I'm afraid uh, not. That's too bad. He is a leader and so-called prophet of the 10,000-member Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. is now awaiting sentencing after being convicted of two counts of being an accomplice to rape. He does put the mental in fundamental. Mm-hmm. On January 28th, he attempted to hang himself in a cell. And the days following the suicide attempt, he was on suicide watch. Uh, Jeff's on several, uh, several occasions threw himself up against the wall, banged his head on the wall, didn't appear to do much damage. 
His suicide attempt came three days after a visit from his brother Nephi, in which he said, I am not the prophet. I never was the prophet. I have been deceived by the powers of evil. I ask everybody's forgiveness. Okay. Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Enjoy your buggery. Uh, what about this girl with the eight limbs? What's she up to these days? Well, the grueling 24-hour operation to remove those extra limbs from the two-year-old Indian gal, born with four arms and four legs, is successful. The girl is named Lakshmi. She has been uh, revered by some in her village as a reincarnation of a Hindu goddess. She was born with a parasitic twin that stopped developing in her mother's womb. This is too graphic for me. Well, she then absorbed the other twin, Jason Crump style. So anyway, uh, well, she has a, the, the normal amount of legs as one might expect from a child. Do you want to be revolted sometime, Tim? No. Okay, I was going to say, because if you do, what you should do is you should talk to Jason, Quin, uh, Jason Crump from Vanished Twin Photography. Mm -hmm. Ask him why his company is called Vanished Twin, and then have him explain it in excruciating detail. Well, Meat Lopez Cantles is a European tour after being diagnosed with a cyst on his vocal cord. That's hard to believe. A 60-year-old scrapped two gigs this week on doctor's orders. It was due to perform at the Wembley Arena. Says Meat it really breaks my heart not being able to perform these shows. Hmm. I will be back. I will be back. I'm sorry, I was trying to do the line as, as Meat Loaf. I thought that was funny. Uh, his management oh, says he has laryngitis. I am laryngitis. In opening statements, State Representative Bob Allen of Florida claimed the lawmaker was trying to avoid a man he thought was trying to rob him in a Titusville park. The Republicans accused of agreeing to pay an undercover Titusville cop $20 to perform a sex act. $20? At Spaceview Park in Titusville. Well, they, that's probably the going written Titusville is, for all we know. It is Florida. <laughs> uh, but, but even if the jurors don't agree with the defense's version of what happened on July 11th, defense attorney Greg Eisenmenger said Allen is not guilty of the crime for which he's charged because he did not bring up money or sex. I, I'm so I'm so clear unclear about this. So the state is saying this. I'm assuming he's a Republican. Yes, a Republican lawmaker offered paying another guy twenty bucks to uh, to get their whatever on. So and, that might have been cheaper than that guy. That's cheaper to go to Spokane. What, what is the twenty? What did he claim he was doing though? Uh, What's the defense? Let's see here. Uh, oh, he was afraid that somebody was trying to rob him. So he thought he would just take off his pants or whatever and give them twenty dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Okay. Whether you believe he went along with it because he feared for his own safety, or he went along with it because he wanted sex, his conduct did not violate your statute, said his lawyer. Oh, all uh, right. Assistant State Attorney Pat Whitaker, however, painted a scene where Ellen repeatedly tried to gain undercover officers' attention in an attempt to hit on him. He was also not wearing his wedding ring. Twenty dollars. All right. Well, that's the going rate right in Florida. I... It's not like he's in Spokane where it costs eight hundred. I... That's true. It's funny because there's a, a Bridget upstairs who manages our podcast um, and does a flawless job, by the way. Uh, there was a little glitchiness earlier this week. That was not the that was not Bridget's doing, but Bridget and Richie, been, they've really been tackling that and doing it well. We were talking about Spokane, though, and she did it. She did say in Spokane, though, that Davenport really is the place you want to take a hustler. If you really are gonna, if you are gonna pick up some weird skeezy trick somewhere, that is exactly the place to take them. If you are a state representative in Florida, apparently a rest stop, twenty bucks. So twenty bucks. That's take, not bad. Get taken care of. All right. Okay. Well, fantastic. Um, yeah. Who wants to call Scotty? I do. Do you have a small number? I do. All right. Let's call Scotty now. Don't tell Mrs. J though. It, it might be busy in the boiler room this time. Yeah. All right. 
Right, she's trying for microphones. I can say that loud to you. Yeah. I think that was going out over the air just now. What was? I'm going to hit dump because I think that might have been going over the air. Scotty's number. <laughs> I just hit dump. I just, I just dumped it. So. All right. We're now calling Scotty J. This is Scott. Hey, hello, Scotty J. Scotty J. Hey. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. I was hoping how to get you? your you've reached Scotty J <laughs> message. Hey, Scotty, how are things? How are things with you? It's so creepy to have, and sad to have you say, this is Scott. I had to do my own dusting, Hi, Scotty. Scott. <laughs> Scott, Scotty, we had to make coffee all last week. And today. That's unbelievable. I you, can't believe it. You bastard. Hey, is the president there? The president is here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to talk to him? No. He has a word or two for the Rick Emerson the, show. Is he having lunch with the president of France? <laughs> <laughs> is he having lunch with a six-foot rabbit as well? <laughs> um, hey, Scotty, so have you been listening to the program? I've been listening to the program at various times, except for right now I'm 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 busy doing mortgage activities at, oh. at a loan office. It sounds really exciting. Anyway, it is oh, he must have sold his house then. Did you sell your house? No, I did not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Thanks for poking at that open wound. I'm sorry, Scotty. Um, hey, Scotty J. Now, is your schedule flexible enough to allow you to come into the studio for maybe 20 minutes someday? Yes. Uh, just depends on what day, and you'll have to contact my uh, receptionist and book. Uh, <laughs> Do you have to clear it with the president? Yeah. Hey, Scotty. What state might she be in? She in Bangladesh. Scotty J. How would Scotty J. How would you like the opportunity to interview Mike Reno from Loverboy? I'd love that opportunity. Okay, so I'll tell you what. I am going to forward you this Loverboy interview up, uh, information. Now, now, I didn't hear part of the show today, so have you interviewed Roger yet? Uh, it's coming up next hour. Okay, well, how did that happen? Uh, I did that. Very nice. I, I can do stuff. <laughs> I know how to do things. I'm not a mongoloid. Uh, so I'm going to forward you this information about Loverboy, and let okay. me know. Uh, let me know. You know the time that works, and we'll get this set up. And you can you can come back and interview Mike Reno from Loverboy because I know that that was a thing. Because when it's a huge thing. Because I know you had said at one point in the program, you're like, now look, if we can ever get the chance to interview Loverboy, that would be huge. And I know you were like <laughs> way into it, way more so than me. So uh, I, I'll set this up, and we'll we'll have you back to interview Loverboy, Scotty. Okay, How's sounds great. How's going, Scotty? How are things? Been? How's things going great? I mean, it's, there, it's a lot of, you know, banging on doors, trying to get business right now, and, you know, hopefully it'll hap something will happen in 2009. I can't tell if you're joking or not. <laughs> well, it, it I am banging on a lot of doors, but uh, I'm not sure when the, when the actual uh, have you Have, you made, a, have you made any money yet? No. <laughs> then why did you leave here, Scotty? You could do problem. that here. You know, whenever you whenever you get going on a business, uh, it takes oh, a, a no. good month or two of ramp up time. So sounds like there are the people in the boiler room. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. Was Daddy, that where the... are you? Are you in the garage? Sarah, right now? when you came to work at CBS Radio, did they just take two months to start paying you? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Let's all make Scotty feel better. All right, Scotty. Uh, well, I'll let you go back to the president, and uh, I'll forward you this information about Loverboy. <laughs> okay. Well, Thank good you, talking sir. with you guys. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. bye. Now. All right, that's Scotty J. How sad. Oh, Scotty. It sounded like there are other people in that room. Hey, well, he's, no, I'm I'm he, wasn't, he wasn't at work, though. 
Oh, he wasn't. He was at the mortgage office. He was at oh, like an office. Okay. He was at a property office somewhere taking care of something. Uh oh. Which is why Sarah said, "Oh, have you sold your house? Maybe he's just taking out another. Maybe he's refinancing. Maybe he's taking more equity out of his home. I hear that's popular these days. My word. <laughs> My stars. Uh, Sarah, how uh, do we need to break here? We could. Because the thing is, I don't want to come back. I want to come back and have a little cushion so we don't come back and start eating into the Roger Klein time. What time are we ten. Okay, yeah, let's break now. Okay, let's break now. We'll come back. Uh, Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers coming up here in just a skosh. Later on, more from Tim Riley. Don't, um, let's not forget to talk about, let's all remember this now, butt hash. Ew. It's all worth it for the look on Tim's face just now. Back after this with Roger Klein. Don't go anywhere. Emerson Radio Program. You have an interesting look on your face just now. No, I just got an email from uh, CNN saying, you know, book uh, Jim Roop now to talk about O.J. Simpson hearing coverage. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, yeah. But it says book it Thursday, October 8th. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Let's check. This is uh, Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. This is rad. It's uh, amazing for body. So there you go. That's the uh, title track from their uh, previous record, last record simply called Americano. Roger Klein of the Peacemakers. Uh, I'm going to talk to Roger Klein himself here in just a few. Yeah, it's, I can't... It I, sounds like a mix between, like, Tom Petty and Bad Religion. It, I can sort of see that. It's got a real Southwestern thing. Uh, they're from Arizona, and he spent, you know, a lot of time, you know, New Mexico. They do, as I said, a yearly three-day event in Mexico every year, and it's it's got a real Southern vibe to it. It's, I, I have to be very careful, actually, um, with with this guy, because I'll gush relentlessly. I'll just get into the 30 second here. I'll let it play.
channel. There you go. So Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. Uh, this coming weekend, actually, two shows. Uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, Burbati's. And I'll give you the website actually right now. I think it's Burbati.com, Burbati's.com. Let me look. Do you have all the information? I have it right here, actually. I just want to make sure. It's uh, Burbati.com, B-E-R-B-A-T-I.com. And uh, the Roger Klein uh, shot is AZ Peacemakers, AZ Peacemakers. Uh, com. So we'll talk to him here in just a skosh. Also, I've got the uh, Metallica thing coming up here in a few. So what time is it now? It's 2.08. It's 2.08. All right. So uh, so we got some people calling in, and we got Roger himself. So we're in that awkward uh, period now. Let me just – Richie just put it on the screen. Two minutes. Thank you, Richie. I appreciate that. Well, we'll see. I mean, these we always tell people to call a little bit earlier than we actually plan to have them on, because you never know when you're going to get that. Uh, so what time did you tell them to call? I told them to call. I told them to call at two ten. I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to. It may or may not actually be at two ten. Was it Vince Neil? Who was it? Vince Neil? That did he ever, at, in fact, actually call us, or was Vince Neil the guy that never called and he claimed it was because. He yeah, was having the tour bus was broken down somewhere. He was having some problem with it. Oh, and he couldn't use the phone, but his manager was able to call on a phone. His manager was able to call from the, the same tour bus. Go. I'm sorry, Vince is uh, Vince isn't going to be able to call in today. I'm sorry. Yes, the yes, we're here in the broken down tour bus. So of course, there's no way he can use a phone. And I'm like, well, you're calling on the phone. What is? And he's like, well, that's it's different. Frank caller. I have to go. And so he just. So I just had this picture of, like, Vince Neil just shoving ham into his face somewhere, just sort of unable to roll himself over to the phone, Loompa style. Uh, we have uh, sofa emails coming in. I got this Metallica thing. I'm really tempted to kind of bust out the Metallica thing uh, it right now, but I won't because I know that the minute I do that, <gasps> see, there you go. There's got, it's going to be Roger Klein. So we'll go ahead and, uh, Richie, if you want to go ahead and thank you. By the way, and I know I got, just judging from the email response I got this morning, there's a lot of Peacemakers fans out there. So this is the, if you want to ask Roger Klein a question, this is actually the time to call. It's 503-733-2970. You got a question for Roger Klein. 503-733-2970. Without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard some of his music. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, appearing this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. For bodies, the aforementioned Mr. Klein. Hi, Roger. How are you? I'm very well. How are you? Uh, I am fantastic, sir, and I don't want to be a gushing fanboy right here at the top, so I'll simply say that it's a real honor to have you on the show. Um, I saw you uh, see you a couple times now, actually, at the Crystal Ballroom and then at Brabati's before that, and it might be a little bit too melodramatic to say that you know you, you restored my faith in live music. I won't say that, but I will say that you polished it. I will say that you gave my faith in live shows a good burnishing. Ouch. Standing. Well, I really appreciate that, and your vocabulary is quite impressive too. It's good that we have a DJ on the air who isn't uh, dumbing it down. Well, thank. You. I'm going to put that on my resume. Please do. I'm all sign off. Yeah, my business card. Um, well, let me just. Speaking of vocabulary, let me just uh, ask you straight up. When you write a lot of these songs, and the song, the best compliment probably that I can give a song, and it certainly applies to you, is everything you write sounds like the soundtrack to a movie that doesn't exist yet. Wow, okay, that's cool. I mean, and you know, all the way back to, you know, some of the refreshments of Banditos, obviously, or Americano, or, uh, uh, you know, the, you've got, is the song Contraband, is that the name of the song on uh, No More Beautiful World? Um, yes. And it's, it, they all sound like they are the soundtrack to some indie film about a guy who lives kind of on the outskirts of the law or society. Do you do that? I know that guy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm a big I'm a big fan of adventure, so let me let me say that. Yeah. Where do those stories come from? Are they they just occur to you? Or are they based on things you see, you hear? 
Uh, and do all of the above. And is that, I mean, is that a thing you're just sort of drawn to? Are you drawn to that side of life? Uh, I am, yeah, I'm a fan of adventure. I like, to, I like the quickening of the pulse, and I like to meet those characters who live out there. And they've, they've always been, I've always sort of traveled in that circle, and not, you know, I, I kind of have always known a lot of outlaws, and some of the outlaws I've known are the, some of the best people I've known. And they provide me with a, a lot of fodder for good storytelling and and songwriting. It's it, they're, they're fun people to meet and sometimes to be. Have you ever considered sitting down and writing uh, the full-fledged, full-on concept album that follows one story or one guy beginning to end? No, but that's a, that's an interesting idea. That's, I wouldn't say that, I, I wouldn't preclude that idea from from you know the realm of possibility. I mean, file that away. Rick Emerson's going to give you that idea for for free, Roger. You can just... and I'm writing it down on a sticky right now. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we have some people who have uh, questions for you. Some listeners have called up, and you got a huge fan base, as you know, uh, in Portland. You're doing two shows, and I, I know some people. I myself am going to both. I've heard from uh, you know some people I know that are going to both. Same set list both nights, or do you change it up a little bit of both? How does it work? Every every night's a different set list. So if we have any recommendations, if anybody wants to hear something, let us know. We've got about, I don't know, 80, 90, 100 songs in the catalog. and There's no way we can play them all, but we'll certainly give it a shot. And we want to we want to play what the people want to hear. So. Well, I'm just going to throw this out there and don't feel like you have to give us any additional weight or anything else. But I, I would like to throw in a personal request for Switchblade, if you get a chance. Just, just Done and done. Thank you. No. Um, this we'll start something off. Uh, we'll start this off something easy. I got this email. This is from Chris, and Chris said, "Hey, Roger Klein is one of the greatest modern country rock songwriters." Pleased to be asking him, though, on average, how many shots of tequila does Roger get offered at a show, and how many does he have to turn down? That's a good question. Um, there, would, I would say we have a plethora of tequila shots in, at any given night. I, I try to keep it within reason. Like week, weekdays on the road, you know, a couple of shots a night are, are probably good. They're, they're hard on the voice. But weekends, if we've got a Monday and Tuesday off, I might, I might lose track. So you, <laughs> you seem like a guy, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but you seem like a guy who, uh, you know, your life was probably, if not saved, at least certainly changed by music at some point. How did it? How did it start for you? How did you? What day did you wake up and you heard a record or a song that just changed your life, changed your mind? Um, I've always been a lover of music, um, but you know, I don't think it was any. I don't think it was an epiphany. It was a gradual awakening for me. I thought that I would I actually thought that my calling was going to be in academia, and I went through went through college and it basically just kept kept changing majors so that I wouldn't have to graduate because I wanted to stay in the music scene. Um, I, I graduated with a couple of degrees and then got accepted to California State University Long Beach for environmental psychology program. And I, I deferred that and, and kept playing music. And then essentially when I was due to go back to CSULB and, and start my studies again, um, I asked for another another year of deferral to quote-unquote continue my studies researching which was bs and uh, they said no you know you need to commit now or not and i knew then i knew then when i said no to psychology that i was just going to make it i was going to make music my life we're talking to a roger klein from roger klein of the peacemakers uh let's get let's see this is amanda amanda you're on the rick emerson show with roger klein hi Hi, Rick. Thanks so much. Um, I have a question about, I read um, a little bit about the 1% one per, one for the Planet program that Roger yes. Klein and Peacemakers support. Can you explain a little bit about that, how you got involved, what it is? 
Absolutely. Hi, I'm Henry. Good to make your acquaintance. One um, percent of the planet is an organization that finds um, they're creating the intersection between commerce and conscience, and so. The businesses that sign up with 1% for the planet pay a tithing of 1% of their gross revenues to that company so that they receive, the businesses can receive the endorsement of 1% because those, those revenues go to pro-social, pro-environmental um, activities and organizations. And uh, I heard about it through a buddy of mine who works at Timberland, and then I met their director, 1% director, Terry Kellogg, uh, subsequently, and he and I hit it off. And it was an honor to be... Um, I just thought it was a great idea, and it was an honor to be involved with them, and we're continuing to do stuff. They're going to make a musical compilation and have a fundraising auction, and we're going to be involved in those things. And I just, I'm a big believer that commerce and conscience should intersect, and we need to be very, very aware of our consumption and probably um, lay off the hammer so hard on planet Earth and give her a chance to heal up a bit. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Amanda. Thanks. All right, go. That's uh, this is we're talking with Roger Klein of Roger Klein and the Peacemakers here this weekend. This is Ken. Hi, Ken. You're on the Rick Emerson Show with Roger Klein. Hey guys, how are you doing today? Hey Ken. Hey, um, just wanted you kind of took my question up a little earlier with as far as your influences and how you started out, but I just want to say that um, I'm a huge fan. I had the had the luck of meeting you and PH outside of uh, Sabatos a couple of years ago before your show, and um, you guys are you know really. Uh, uh, Fizzy Fuzzy, Big and Buzzy, and Americana are both uh, probably two of the, my favorite records of all time um, of any artist. And I do hope to be, I will be able to come to the show on Saturday because I'll be out of town. I did make changes once I found out that you guys were coming to be able to make the show on Sunday. So I hope that uh, y'all hear, uh, I would like to hear Nada if you could play that on Sunday. Nada on, on Saturday? Sunday. 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 Okay, I'm writing it down on the same sticky that I stole. Uh, <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, Ken. I got it. All right, go. That's Ken. We're talking to Roger Klein of Roger Klein and the Peacemakers. When you uh, you do uh, a lot of uh, I don't want to call it stage rap because that doesn't really cast in the right light, but just a lot of talking to the crowd and your thoughts, your observations, or a story, and it is it is all sort of woven together, and then it's mixed in with the, you know, all of the songs stretching back for you know ten, fifteen years plus to the current stuff. When you when someone comes to see Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, this may be a big question, but what do you want them to either feel while they're there or to walk out with? I mean, what do you, what do you want to be inside them when they leave? Uh, I, want, I want our experience to rehumanize, to amplify happiness, to create community. Um, that's, what I, that's what I think that the artists should do, um, irrespective of, you know, when, that's the artist's job throughout time, and that's what I want to be able to do, offer insight, entertainment, whatever it may be, but it should be a recharging of the batteries and a... And a this is a really circuitous answer to a short question. It should be rehumanizing. It should be a positive experience. I actually have to say that the first time uh, my wife and I went to see you, and the you you tossed it to the crowd for it was Mexican moonshine, I think, and just for and the sound of every single person in that room. I think except for my wife and I, every single person knew what was coming. They knew the moment. They could just feel it. They could read it. And it is a real you know not to sound all hippy trippy about it. It was a real sense of 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 community in the way that a rock show really. Ought to be. It was, it was great. Uh, before we uh, kind of wrap things up here, um, you obviously drew a draw a lot from uh, American roots, you know, music and the music that has come before you. It, wh who's out making music now? What are the contemporary artists that you listen to uh, that you're into? 
It's that's a good, that's a really good question. Most of them that I that I really admire are still quite below the radar, um, which I think is a good place to be right now. I think that if you run up if you run up the commercial flag, a lot of a lot of the art gets compromised. In it. But in any case, um, I love Johnny Hickman and Jim Dalton's new record from. They're, uh, Johnny Hickman is Crackers guitarist, and Jim Dalton is from the Railbenders, and they did the Hickman Dalton Gang album, sort of a little EP they put out that I find really, really good. Um, who else am I listening to? I'm, I'm a fan of Art Brute. I <laughs> think they're fun. They're they were actually fun. here on uh, Sunday night, I believe. Oh, they're a fun rave. Where yeah. did they play? Uh, at the Crystal Ballroom with the uh, the the Hold Steady uh, opening. For oh Hold no Steady. way! Really? That's Lifter Puller. Um, Lifter Puller's old singer-songwriter is um is in that band, and I haven't heard him, but I've been pushed that direction. I had a so friend go, of mine oh, check out the Hold Steady. Yeah, I had a friend of mine that just raved about the Hold Steady, and you know, it was one of many artists that you hear compared it to to Springsteen, and of course, you you know, you've gotten some of those comparisons uh, yourself, and it was uh, yeah, apparently it was a fantastic. I didn't get the catch it, but it was a great show, apparently. I will definitely check out the Hold Steady. And I think you got, I think you actually got a shout out on one of my wife's Indigo Girls records. I think that there's actually Amy Ray or Amy, Emily Saliers or somebody I think name checked you, uh, the no liner way. notes. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I can't swear to that because I haven't seen my wife's like, yeah, I think Amy Ray gave him a shout out on the liner notes to, you know, some, some record a, a few back. Um, and very quickly before we wrap things up, we're talking to Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, uh, here this Saturday and Sunday at the Bravadis. You guys, it's going to be a, a great show. My wife, uh, would, uh, she would never let me, in the house again if I did not ask you this going back to the refreshments era my wife and we sort of touched on this is convinced that Banditos is written about a real guy a real person a real bank robbery real whatever did that just come out of your head or is that from a real place no it was it's it's based on a true story but it's not it's not actually it's not an actual event alright uh, uh, I'll say um, I, I wrote it on the couch when I was in college and uh, Adam Money had you know $13 and and um, there was still a smoking bong on the table, and I was thinking about knocking over a, a Circle K and going south where $13 could actually do something. Excellent. Roger Klein, Roger Klein of the Peacemakers. The website is azpeacemakers.com, and uh, you can go there to find out about the show, or you can go to burbody.com, and you can, uh, I think, tickets still available for this Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I will be at both, and, uh, you know, as, I, as I've said in the past, from somebody who loves music to somebody who makes music, uh, I thank you for doing what you do. It's going to be a great show, and thank you for spending some time with us, Roger. Truly the pleasure was mine. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you so much. There you go. Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Richie, I don't know if he's, uh, if he's already bailed, if he wanted to check in the... Check the the the, the, uh, the guest line there and do a uh, I don't know do a follow up or whatever or maybe not I'm looking at the phone and nothing's happening. All right. Well, thanks so much. All right. Okay. It's always that awkward moment when I look at the phone on hold and I never know what's going on. All right. How cool was that guy? That was amazing. Excellent, Roger Klein. Checked off my to do list. All right. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. Back after this with Tim Riley. Uh, maybe not the worst song you've ever heard, but some awful music from Metallica. And uh, like us at three Donna Mike at seven. Stay there.
It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the lead track from No More Beautiful World from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, who are going to be in town this uh, Saturday and Sunday. So once again, it's uh, azpeacemakers.com. Find out more about that. All right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Ladies and gentlemen, pay heed to your new savior, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Well, how's this for a sticky situation? A 12-year-old student at Boston's Jackson Man School is accused of using a taser gun on a bottle of glue. Well, that started a fire. It was packed with students in the cafeteria at the time. The boy bought the gun for $100 from a 13-year-old friend who brought it to school. Nobody was hurt. Glenda Ramos says the boy's parents should be held responsible. I think the parents should be the ones who should be on the kids, watching the kids, knowing what the kids are bringing to school. Am I to understand this is yet another taser story? Yes. Really? Does it seem like we are reaching some sort of weird, uh, we're reaching some sort of taser story event horizon. Uh, it seems like this really ought to be the time that we start instituting a taser watch. Yeah. All right. Tasers are used all the time to hurt people. We, they are. Uh, tasers are the new black, Tim. And the new spitballers. There you go. I'll, I'll whittle that into something later on. It seems like the universe is asking us to do this. Indeed. Right. Fantastic. Time for Jackson Watch. Oh, wonderful. I love today. Here's uh, your Jackson Watch for Wednesday. Just Ivory, as Michael Jackson appears, whiter than white, on the magazine cover. You know, he most uh, famously sang, It doesn't matter if you're black or white, but it clearly does to Michael Jackson, who appeared on the cover of a magazine for black Americans looking whiter than ever. The treble singer unveiled his startlingly, uh, startlingly pale new look on the cover of Ebony magazine in a heavily airbrushed photograph. Is that what we're calling him now, the troubled singer? Yes, he's a troubled singer. Uh Uh-huh. It says, Fading Star, Michael Jackson on the latest issue of Ebony Magazine. Fading. I see the play on words there. He wears a lightly colored suit that complements his creamy complexion. <laughs> and his once curly Afro hair is bone straight. I don't want to hear bone or creamy regarding Michael Jackson in any way. no trace of the handsome youth that became a superstar, along with his brothers in a group called the Jackson Five. In another picture, he appears dressed in a top hat and tails... <laughs> a nod to one of his dance idols, Fred Astaire. Uh-huh. Uh, despite ongoing rumors that he has bleached his skin, he has regularly insisted he has a, uh, his change of color is not intentional. It just happened that way. He maintained that his light skin is the resort of vitiligo, a rare disease that discolors the body and the face. Uh-huh. He gave his first interview in 10 years to the magazine to celebrate 25 years. Well, okay. I uh, feel... It's a thriller album. It's uh, the anniversary issue. Thriller? I feel really aw- awkward and just icky. Oh, did you see they're foreclosing on Neverland? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So the, the implodometer is at 10 uh, for Michael Jackson's career, by the way. they have Michael, they've come to take your home. So there you go. Congratulations, Michael. Well done. There's your Jackson watch for Wednesday.
doctor at a peanut factory has been found dead beneath the pile of peanuts. Ugh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. Okay. You had really you had me at worker at peanut factory. Mm-hmm. That itself is. I mean, apart from. I'm just picturing that whole room full of squirrels. Uh, they're like rapping on Baruch Assault's head and then tossing her down the incinerator chute. She's a bad nut indeed. I'm sorry. So he was buried under a pile of what? Yeah, I guess he was smothered under a pile of peanuts. He was smothered by nuts. Mm-hmm. And it is His face was covered in nuts. Nut factory. The man's co-workers noticed him missing around noontime. After searching for two hours, they found him buried under a pile of peanuts. He was dead at the scene. It's unclear how he died, except that he was... Well, he was buried under a pile of peanuts. I mean, I'm sorry. I know it's it not supposed want to Want more? Be... Get home delivery now. Want more? No, I've got all the peanuts I can stand. Thank you very much. Okay, well, there you go. Where was that at? Florida? Virginia, where awesome. they offered grants to single mothers, $30,000 grants to singles mother, mother who, then they, and they never have to repay. Okay. There you go. Try not tips to... to burn fat. What a sad way to die, smothered under a big pile of peanuts. That That's is really sad. Not a way for a man to die. No. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. That. All right. Uh, meanwhile, oh, we already did the cigarette tax, didn't we? Yes, we did. And we already did the Rudy Giuliani story. Yes, we did. Apparently, there's some duplication of stories. I'm sorry. That's good. I apologize. Uh, well, Rosie is returning to TV on MSNBC. If you can ever find it, <laughs> come get, send it down to channel 968 or I something. was just going to say channel 758X2. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to find something on satellite radio where you just, you just, I don't know, it's here somewhere, and he's scrolling through 800 channels of Bob Dylan. Didn't Bob Dylan, I think Dylan has one, two, I think there are actually now three different channels one of which is all Dylan, one of which is something hosted by Bob Dylan, and one of which is all covers of Bob Dylan songs. And I think they're starting to. I think they've done the, the same thing. The entire channel. I think so. Well, isn't that? The, I mean, they've got lots of channels to fill. I mean, I, you know, I mean, whatever they find, you know, Bob Dylan's great. It's just, it does seem. I mean, I don't know. It just seems a little odd. I mean, it does tell you who the demographic for satellite radio is too, because doing the same thing with I think Springsteen. I think Springsteen's got like a hundred different channels. So, all right, but that's how it is with that uh, with cable too, because yeah, you, they moved to MSNBC like so far up there. Yeah. I mean, it's, if you were scrolling trying to find Keith Oberman, I mean, you're going to wear the skin off your thumb before you find that channel. So, and I want to uh, thank one of our listeners for sending me the secret code enabling me to push one button to fast forward through commercials. Now is it now is your because now you know for for TiVo for the DVR for the TiVo it's the same thing the thirty second skip is there but you do have to punch in a little thing on the remote control to activate but it. Comcast doesn't want you to know about this no no it's a it's the secret the big companies don't want you to know about Tim and so do they... but I know it and it works by the way I can tell the best thing about this is from your tone of voice I can tell you're not going to share the secret with anyone else no I can tell the secret's going to stay inside your evil head mm-hmm. unless right. people donate mm-hmm. to children. Wonderful. All right. Well, we'll save it for like a telethon or something like that. Someday we're, we're in a lot of trouble. We'll sell, somebody. You, sell you the 30-second skip. That's how we'll buy our way out of some trouble someday. You know, what we'll those, save that one. you know what satellite radio channels are like? We were talking about earlier about how radio stations do stunting by playing one artist or one song over and over again for like nine days in a row. Satellite radio channels are like the all-stunting channel. That's what they are because, you know, there's like that one channel that plays nothing but... Yeah, there's some satellite channel that plays nothing but, like, versions of Twist and Shout or something. So, all right, here's Tim Riley. Well, it's almost time for a holiday stress again. Uh, yes, remember, millions of us heading to Grandma's house for Thanksgiving. Why do people always go to Grandma's house only on Thanksgiving? Uh, but instead of happy thoughts, you're picturing uh, cat sickness or car sickness, <laughs> uh, screaming kids in the backseat, and crackers flying in a minivan. Get these crackers out of here! <laughs> 
<laughs> is this written by Southern... Uh, is crackers written... flying everywhere. Is this written by uh, Doug the Bounty Hunter? I thought you had to go to Cirque du Soleil to see that. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Come on, that's funny. With just a little planning, you can fend <laughs> off uh, most of the boredom and restlessness that, you, that kids do feel. Do you fend off the crackers? Yes. Uh, have a lot of games, activities, toys, and healthy snacks available for your children. If they are crackers. <laughs> Now, uh, for the airline, do the same thing. And if you're having a layover, tell the kids to get up and walk around. If things go well, don't forget to praise kids for good behavior. Is this is this really the sad place we've arrived at in American health, where the big goal is to get your kids to, quote, walk around? I mean, really. <laughs> don't even exercise. Just please use, move. move a little. Waggle your arms, please. Wave your stumpy legs in the air, you bastards. Shake a leg. <laughs> what is this goo you've put in front of me here, Sarah? Oh, you said you wanted to try it. It's my gingerbread yogurt. Now, That's what? what she was told. Uh huh. Yeah. Is this the yogurt that you were eating earlier and wincing? It like you were cringing little... as you consumed it? It tastes a little strange. Oh, I don't like the smell of that at all. Hmm. I'll just give it a give it a taste. Am I going to regret give this? Give it a taste. Give it a taste. What, could, what harm could it possibly cause? This is gingerbread flavored yogurt? Uh-huh. Yeah, it's special Lucerne limited edition gingerbread. Limited edition. They sell it in St. John's. Until the lawsuit takes it off the shelf. I have never been to St. John's. But you have never been to me. Hold on. <laughs> I was thinking somebody else. It tastes strangely... Um... Isn't it weird? See it with a gingerbread base. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's know. what they told Britney Spears. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah, I'm not going to eat a whole cup of that ever. Yeah, I'm not, not a big now, fan. not ever. Ever? Ever. All right. So let's talk uh, more about those uh, crackers in your van for this holiday season. Let's please. I think for a lot of kids, it's just a change in their routine. And they're suddenly on an airplane or in a car for an extended period of time with little to do. And so for a lot of kids, you're going to possibly see more behavior problems than otherwise. All right. So get ready. Hey, who's going to be behaving badly? Who wants to hear about butt hash? Well, I don't know. <laughs> this is. So that's stuff you're talking about. Are there any other alternatives? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's really no plan B. There's a uh, A butt hash, B. So um, I mentioned this yesterday, but Court and Fatboy talked about it at length. So I got to do it now because it's quickly becoming yesterday's news. This is a real bulletin. Now I I don't know if the contents of you this the bulletin noise for the for the, for the butt hash story. I can't verify that the actual story is factually correct, mm -hmm. but I will say this: the bulletin from the sheriff's office and the accompanying news article—they mm -hmm. are both, act, in other words, they're real. There was a real news story about this, and there was a real bulletin put out in, of course, of all places, Florida. Oh, damn it! In of all places, Florida. <laughs> damn it! All right, fine, fine. So this comes to us from the Collier County Sheriff's Office Criminal Intelligence Bureau in Naples. Oh. This is an internal memo. Corporal DeSaro received an email from a concerned parent regarding a new drug called GenChem. The parent advised that their child learned about this new drug, GenChem, through various conversations with several students at Palmetto Ridge High. Now, you know, it's only a matter of days before like parents in Portland start putting out their own memo, terrified as they will be of this drug, GenChem. Gen and you, here's how you know it's probably an urban legend. It's totally fake. Totally 100% fake. You can tell that this is an urban legend sweeping paranoid white communities because Gen Kim, of course, originated in Africa. And other, quote, third world countries. First of all, Africa is not a country. Africa is a continent. Yes. I don't understand what's so difficult about 
learning the difference between country and continent. Africa and... this. Really, I don't think anybody in a school who, said, who types out a memo saying Africa and other third world countries, which is wrong in like nine different ways, whatever. Genchem originated in Africa and other third world countries by fermenting raw sewage to create a gas, which is then inhaled to achieve a high. It's now a popular drug in American schools, says this sheriff's memo. Oh, boy. Genkim is a homemade substance. <laughs> Genkim is a homemade substance, and there are illustrations, by the way, which consists of fecal matter and urine. You're in a lot of trouble for this. The fecal matter and urine are placed in a bottle or jar and covered with a balloon. The container is then placed in a sunny area for several hours or days until fermented. The contents of the container will separate and release a gas which is captured in the balloon. Inhaling this gas, which is made of fermented feces and urine, is said to have a euphoric high similar to cocaine. Once ingested, the onset of the high takes 10 seconds, last 20 minutes. Blah, blah, blah. Subjects who used Genkum disliked, quote, I think this would go without saying, subjects who used Genkum disliked, quote, the taste of sewage in their mouth and the fact that the sewage taste in their mouth would continue for several days. Oh, my God. Slang terms for Genkum include um, runner, fruit. Um, one of the slang terms for this is just uh, the S word. And then, of course, butt hash. Uh, well, who wants to hear the news in Florida talking about this? Oh. oh. Tonight, Wink News now obtained a confidential internal memo sent around to the Collier County Sheriff's Office. What it shows sent a shockwave of disgust through our staff. The question now, is this new way for kids to get high, described in this memo, really being used in southwest Florida? Well, none of the students that we talked to around Collier County really have heard of the drug. Tonight, the Sheriff's Office confirms it sent that memo out. But students we spoke with say even if the drug is around, they don't want to be anywhere near it. It's called Jenkum. Basically, it's a concoction of solid human waste and urine mixed together to get high. Now, the memo that's circulating the Internet has the Somebody's nasty details of how the human waste is turned into a gas and then huffed or breathed in. The Sheriff's Office memo suggests students are talking about it here at Palmetto Ridge. The memo states a parent emailed a deputy saying her son had heard about the mixture at school. Well, this document also says it's becoming popu a popular drug in American high schools. Goddamn people are stupid. Next, they're going to be baking it into cookies. <laughs> really? Would you, would you like a Jenkum brownie? <laughs> the, um, the, who wants to lick a Jenkum Mickey Mouse stamp? Oh. It, and by the way, it, here's how you know this is stupid. A, you've got a brain. B, since when are kids having difficulty getting, you know, like real drugs in school? Does anybody think that a kid in school can't just go down the hall and get actual cocaine from a guy? So look at this. I'll pass this around the classroom here. Check out the uh, the photos that accompany this. There's a series oh, of photos with the that. memo. <laughs> yeah, you you'll want to. The best part is showing the kid with the straw, inhaling the Jenkum like out of the jar with a straw, and he's like hunched over on his front porch. I want to be whoever made this stories up, friend. Yeah. Friend, I you, can't. I don't. That sounds to me. How whatever. great is that? I want to be there. You're going to be reading this in highlights in the dentist's office. That's totally. Genius. Isn't that genius? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Um, I actually saw it on Channel Six. They teased it the other day. Oh, please tell me you're talking about Channel Six here in Portland. They are. Uh, oh, fools. They're teasing it. They're going to do an expose this Friday oh. on Jacob. On what do you want to bet that expose never airs? What do you want to bet after? And I'm not saying this is because of us, but what do you want to say that the assembled media ridicule will be too much and that story How will can never anyone air? Even take this seriously. Well, 
what, what about what about sewage treatment workers? Uh, they, I mean, they're inhaling this stuff just going to work. You don't you think you would hear something about? Them driving home, getting in car crashes because they're high or something. But it's finally getting into the mainstream. Yeah, I was going to say it's been underground for some time, so to speak. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh-huh. All right, here's somebody else that knows about Then he that. regains a magical slash hallucinogenic state within seconds of regaining consciousness after he passes out. <laughs> a magical state. A magical state from you know who? The high has been described as feeling out of it and talking to dead people. <laughs> what is this? It's it's made up. It's someone having a laugh at the sheriff's department. Sheriff Don Hunter, you're a fool. Who thinks that Africa is a country? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Rick? How you guys doing? Hey. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the other caller, but Channel Six. I saw today they had this full-on like fade in, fade out, real dramatic. Oh God. Uh, you know, like what's the next biggest thing? And all these people saying, "Oh God, I'd never do that." Of and, course, but it's... You know, and, and then, like, the, uh, the, the story is going to come, like, three days later, you know. Find out three days later what the new fad is. Of course. Is there, and that's what they do with everything. Is there something that could horribly kill your children? Find out Friday. Yes. All right. Excellent. Well, I can't wait to see if that actually it's, airs. Oh, Thank you, oh, my friend. It's all that's in the genius over. wording. There you go. Thank you. Inhaling the gas is said to be euphoric high, similar to ingesting cocaine, but with strong hallucinations of times past. And look at the look at the photograph I think there of the kid with the straw. Oh, he looks like he's throwing up. And of course, if you read if, if you read the article, of course, he's not even doing it the way that they claim you do it because the way they claim you do it is you put a balloon over the top. It looks like he's just drinking the bottle. <laughs> Let's all think about that. Read the list of slang terms at the bottom. It's genius. Winnie runners, fruit from the crack pipe, Leroy Jenkins, um, uh, S. Yeah. Yeah, S. Um, butt hash butt and hash. Really? And it's funny that Court and Fatboy and then us, <gasps> independent, we all seized on butt hash is the best one of those. Yeah, okay. The, it's the smoking gun. Yeah, this information is being furnished for law enforcement purposes only. It should only be handled as confidential. Sure. You don't want the butt hash menace to spread. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you know, it's not only fake, it's racist. Because whoever made up the, the prank could only think of that. Everybody would believe that people in third world countries are more than willing to go get raw sewage and turn it into drugs. I'm told the bomb hunter was it talking does. about that. It, 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 has, it has all the hallmarks of the urban legend, yeah, because it play because it plays on Whitey's worst, you know, worst stereotypes and fears in the in the third world quote country of Africa. Exactly, Excellent. because there's, God knows there's no you know improved areas of Africa where you can buy you know high class drugs. Of course not. No, no. <laughs> all right, thank you, sir. Thanks. That's wonderful. All right. You know, if it was earlier in the program, again, I regret putting this off to the end, but it was just such a busy day. I never I love the, the magical state that Jenkum gives you. Of course, where you see dead people. And strong hallucinations of times past. Uh-huh. Ah, on, I wish that we'd started this early. I want the Jenkum of the future. I want, to, uh, I want to find channels. I want to get Channel 6 on the show and ask them if they're <gasps> still planning to do this. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Yeah, it's, uh, it's real. Um... Oh, God. A, uh, okay, a buddy try- of mine from Maryland hey. came out here over the summer for a wedding. Let me understand this. Is this your friend who did this or a friend of his? Uh, a friend of his. Of this course. Was ah. it's, a, it's a friend of a friend, is it? He described the whole process to me, and I asked about it because on his camera he had a picture of his friend's back that had a tattoo that said, You don't know about my Jenkum. <laughs> You're making this up. I swear! I swear to Holy Christ. So you have a friend of a friend mm-hmm. who does this apparently. <laughs> so well, you're telling me, hold on, you're telling me you have a friend who in turn yeah. has a friend who huffs rotting poo to get yeah. high. 
And, okay. and this was this was months ago when I heard you guys bring All right, this I'm up telling you this. Okay, week. here's here's the thing. I'm telling you right now. If you can furnish proof that you know a guy, even even once removed, who sits around huffing poo to get high, I'll let you walk in here and take whatever you want out of the out of the prize stack. All right, I I will email my friend tonight and I'll get that picture. I'll okay. No, no, no. I want to talk to the guy and I want the okay. guy to come on the air and say yes. I inhale rotting fecal matter. <laughs> All right, I'll get on it. All I, right. I swear All to God, right. it's true. All right, and it has a little asterisk there. When I said anything out of the prize tag, that should be anything is subject to the jurisdiction and interpretation of me, Rick Emerson. Thanks. All right, there you go. Thank you. Bye. It should be noted that Jenkum, uh, the website for it, is just a, a random nasty picture generator. Of course. Of course it is. Yes, because it's really a scary drug. Cause, but that guy is a friend of a friend that does it. Uh, <laughs> hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello? Hello? Is this me? Yes. yes, it is. Oh, hey, I, it's going to be on Channel 6 Thursday at 11. When now, Thursday, we heard Friday. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's Thursday. I've seen it on a few times. It's like, oh, what are your kids getting high on now? And, uh -huh. You know, how they, they pump it up. I've seen it all week, and I thought it said Thursday. But really? I, could... I mean, really, the whole here's the whole thing. Like, if if your kids are doing this, the problem isn't that your kids are into drugs. The problem is that your kids are mind-bogglingly stupid. You know, I mean, even if this got you I, I high, how high crazy. would this have to get you for you to be convinced? Look, I don't do drugs that don't smell like poo. So, I mean, really, honestly, who would actually inhale that? No one. Nobody would. No one. Yeah, and I don't think it could be real either. I mean, come on. No, that guy has a friend of a friend though. He swears. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got a friend of a friend too. But yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank so, you, yeah. sir. You're all bye. All right. Bye now. Uh, let's see. Uh, well, how, would we? We've oh we my got, God, we got a break? break. Damn. All right, we'll come back after this. We'll wrap it up tomorrow. I'm gonna find somebody from Channel Six to talk about this. Five zero three seven three. Oh, we didn't get to the Metallica thing either. Got to do it tomorrow. It's tomorrow, the Metallica thing, which is great. Uh, back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Show. You stay there. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day. Final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. we got time to sneak on somebody else here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. It's hey. Tim. How you doing? What's up, sir? Hey, um, that GenCom, I, I can't believe that's true. I used to work for a sewage treatment facility back east, and uh, fecal matter puts off something called methane when it sits from yeah. the microorganisms, and it'll kill you if you inhale it. Well, you know, maybe you don't have the intestinal fortitude of the people in Florida. <laughs> maybe, sir, you just don't have the news-gathering prowess of Portland's own Channel 6, who are going to get to the bottom of this, so to speak, on Friday. Yeah, apparently. I saw that, that teaser that they put on there three days later, and we get to hear about it, apparently. I just, I'm going to go online right now and see if I can find Channel 6's teaser for this. Yeah, and if kids aren't healing it, they've got bigger problems. The parents have bigger problems to worry about. Seriously, like, like your stupid. kid can't leave his poop alone. Yeah, exactly. All right, thank you. All right, yes, Bye now. All right, no time to be fair to yeah, another when caller. When you're trying to find yourself in middle school and junior high, what you want to do is be fishing around the toilet for your own feces. Bam! And we're done. Uh, we're going to go out with that. Uh, <clears throat> you're on hold. I apologize. We ran out of time here. Uh, we want to thank CNN. Oh, Jesus. We want to thank CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum, Bob Costantini, Drew Griffin, and we also want to thank... Um, 
David Mattingly uh, tonight for, uh, to, from CNN Tonight. So check out uh, AC 369 about the West Memphis Three. Also Death Grip on CNN uh, tonight at five and seven. Plus Roger Klein from Roger Klein and the Peacemakers and Mr. Skin. What a busy day! Uh, see y'all tomorrow. My friends Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the loving talented Sarah Stone for AM 970 Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley, Richie Bristol on the phones. Gatekeepers Dave Zinn. Don't let the bachelors grind it down. See y'all tomorrow. Like us next. Thank you for listening. Be safe. See you tomorrow. Bye.